Eco does not make predictions without deep analytical and uh, rooted in deep analytical thought, as well as mm-hmm. he tweets with deep thoughts as well. Yeah, definitely never flying by the seam of my pants here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this is an early podcast, by the way. We're we're recording at seven fifteen a.m. Uh, thanks to Tom. Tom requested this early morning rip. That's <laughs> yeah. That's it. You're welcome, Tom. I'm more of a double digit guy, but you know, what's that? <laughs> like 10 a.m. Oh, 10 11. A.m. That's more of like I think when the world should start doing things. Oh, really? You know? Yeah. Lazy month. No, I'm just joking. Anywho. Welcome to Pod 256, a weekly Bitcoin podcast focused on mining, energy, and proof of work. Hosted by me, Rod at Bitkite on Twitter, as well as you can follow me on Noster and my co-host, Econo Alchemist, who you can also find on Noster. I'm seeing a couple notes from Eco. Um, we are now on episode number 20. Eco, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's good to be back. And yeah, I have uh, posted a couple things on Noster recently. Maybe one replied to a couple messages, but honestly, dude, it's been a couple months at least since I've at least a few weeks since I've been on there. It's just between Twitter and Noster, like I have trouble managing like two social media accounts. Sometimes I just I I got a lot going on, and sometimes I just <laughs> need to put the phone down. So. Well, you did you let go of your social media manager, or what happened there? You, it, you know, it is a bear market, so we had Got to it. make some cuts at Econo Alchemist Incorporated, and uh, yeah, Got tightening it. the belt a little bit. Got it. Trimming the fat. That's right. And we also have Rob Bikes and Bitcoin back with us. Rob, how we doing, buddy? Doing fantastic this morning. Just for clarity, though, it's only six fifteen here. Ooh, that's right. That's yeah, right. we're spanning three time zones on this podcast right now. We are really, are we really? hustling. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's obviously wrong. I'm looking right at the clock. It's eight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Get it together, guys, honestly. Maybe we should do a poll. What time is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> poll incoming. Who, Rob, if you want to do the poll, we'll we'll, we'll retweet it. Uh, what time is it? Six, seven, or eight? <laughs> That's actually awesome. Eco, <laughs> uh, do you want to introduce our guest this week? Yeah, uh, some of you are probably familiar with our guests. Some of you may not be, but we have the. Jay Stark Award recipient, Diverter, joining the podcast. He is a writer. He is a privacy advocate. He is a how should I how should I say your whatever you do, just don't stop. I, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we got one more hour dedicated to this open. Yeah, so keep just, going. Just keep flowing, uh, he, man. he also works in a support role and I'll let him elaborate on that. And so, yeah, you're a legend and we're happy to have <laughs> you here on the podcast. So welcome, Diverter. Oh, I thank you. I've been uh, watching this podcast for a little bit now. It's, it's an excellent one. So glad to be here. Um, definitely um, been looking forward to talking to you for a while, Eco. I know we've, we haven't seen each other for a minute Tried to get together last little bit, but didn't quite work out. Uh, but yeah, just happy to be here, man. Want to have a good talk? Awesome. 
I know we we missed each other. I wasn't able to make it down to Miami for the Bitcoin 23 conference, but yeah. you were there. And yeah, and I guess uh, maybe before we we let you introduce yourself and kind of give us your background for guests who are not familiar with you, maybe you could tell us about how the Bitcoin 23 conference went and what your talk was on and how that went. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, Bitcoin 23 was, was good. Um, if I'm being honest, I was a little let down. Um, I feel like 22 was better. Um for just a few reasons, nothing major. Yeah, I mean, the conference was fine. It's just, I don't know, there was something not quite there that I felt like was there in 22. It was probably that you weren't there, honestly. Yeah, um, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> a big part of it. But yeah, I mean, it, but it was it was great. It was great. Um, I, I did a panel with uh, Steve Barber um, and uh, Nico Moran, I believe it is. Um, and we were just basically talking about decentralized mining you know um they titled it mining for the masses which was just like eh. but um i think that was a, a play on your article mining for yeah. the streets right a hundred percent was and like that's that's fine like that's i'm all i'm all good with that because i mean i ripped that from samurai wallet you know bitcoin wallet for the streets so i mean it's fine you know rip it however you want to rip it but um sounds like you got a royalty payment due I sh- don't I? Like <laughs> between between that and all the use the tools stuff, like I, right. I I really got some stuff coming in. Um, but yeah, we talked for I, I guess about forty five minutes, uh, just in general about you know some advancements in the home mining atmosphere over the last few years and the importance really of um, decentralized, quote unquote, off grid. Whether you're actually off grid or not, but um, street mining the importance of that going into the future. Cause I do think that it's um, going to only grow in importance uh, and need. So definitely interested in getting as many people involved as possible. So, but yeah, it was good. It was good. That's great. That's great. You know, not to plug Nashville, but we'd love to see you in Nashville many a times, not only for the Nashville energy and mining summit in January, but now the conference being moved here there's a higher probability that Eco will fire up the PJ, burn those fossil fuels, and get over to Nashville. Yeah, I, I, I've been to Nashville um, the one time before where we met, and it was amazing. We had a, a really good panel. Uh, you know, Odell and myself and Eco. It was it was a great time. Uh, yeah. Got to meet got to meet Fluffy Pony, which is like oh, a, kind yeah. of kind of one of the personal heroes of mine in the space in general. So that was cool. Um, so it was a good time. That was in December of 21. And yeah. that meetup was just like in freaking sane. I mean, we, you know, it's uh, I'm all about the no photos and no social media policy that we have at our meetups. But if there could be like one photo to capture, I mean, we had oh, yeah. 200 plus people in a room that could yeah. fit like 100 people. People were hanging <laughs> yeah. off the stairwell. Like people were on top of you guys during the panels. Like, and you guys yeah. were just sitting in these, uh, what do you call them, stool chairs? Those stools, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was really cool. Yeah, it was packed. That was that was a really good time. Heck yeah, yeah, that was amazing. So yeah, Diverto, do you want to just maybe spend a minute or two just explaining what you're doing now and your background for the audience? Sure. Uh, background is literally I'm just some dude that likes Bitcoin. Um, you know, that, that there's nothing special about me um, other than maybe the fact that I sat down one day and decided to write an article. Um, that article landed in the laps of a few people that 
you know, uh, were inspired by it, I think, and went on to write their own articles and do their own things. And this kind of this home mining resurgence that we've seen um, over the last three years. I mean, you'll never hear me like take credit for it and say, oh, it was never happened if it wasn't for this. But in large part, honestly, I really do believe that that paper had a lot to do with it, with at least a spark of getting it going. And then once once that fire was burning, you know, it's there's no controlling it. But um, I wrote a paper called Mining for the Streets um, and I released it uh, just after the last halving. Um, you know, because I wanted to be sure on the numbers and stuff like that. But essentially, the argument that I was making was, um, you know, at that time, everywhere you went, whether it was Reddit, Twitter, Bitcoin talk, wherever you went, if you went and you inquired about, hey, I'm thinking about getting into Bitcoin mining, you were just inundated with discouragement. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, 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 there's no, no, like you'll come out way better just buying Bitcoin. You're going to get wrecked, yada, yada, yada. You'll hear every excuse in the book. Um, And I went through that same thing because, you know, a lot of people look at mining for different reasons. My reason was um, I'd been into Bitcoin for a couple of years and I just kept seeing the, you know, the on-ramps to Bitcoin continuously being squeezed tighter and tighter with more regulation, more control, more KYC, more information needed. And so I start looking for ways around this um, and I kept coming back to mining. And so I just started looking for myself, looking at mining calculators. Like, you know, here's my I know what my electricity rate is. I can I can do these little simple calculations and make an educated guess. Mm-hmm. And it made way more sense than what people were making it out to be. And I was I was stunned by this. I couldn't understand why. Um it made too much sense. So long story short, I ended up writing this paper and it was less of a guide. I mean, there was some guidance in it, but my intention for it was less as a guide, more as an attempted narrative shift. I wanted to shift the narrative from one of discouragement to one of, hey, there's this other route where you can essentially turn your utilities company into your exchange. Um, and Mm. you can, you can DCA, you can dollar cost average into Bitcoin through your electricity bill. Um, and that was my argument. And, you know, all you're going to do is plug in a miner, your electricity bill is going to come every month. You pay them with dollars, you receive Bitcoin. It's an exchange. That's all it is. And now the only difference is they have no idea you're buying Bitcoin. They have no idea that they're your Bitcoin exchange. They still think they're just your utility company. So it provides a layer of privacy. It obviously helps secure the network with more decentralization, the more we can get individual miners on board. And it just it just made sense. Um, so that's kind of what got this whole thing started for me and really kind of got me more involved in all these different areas was that one paper. There are days where I love you and Eco and Ronan Miner, and then there are days that I absolutely want to strangle you guys. <laughs> Why is that? Because of Citadel Dispatch episode 31, that three-hour <laughs> oh, yeah. rip yeah. you guys did. I listened to that freaking episode four, maybe five times, so 15 hours of my life <laughs> just listening to you guys spit just straight fire. To the point, I'm not bullshitting you. I was like, 
and it pisses me off that Ronan Myron actually didn't do this. But like I was lo- looking up Subway uh, franchises <laughs> to go and buy it. It's like I, oh my god, it, it made too that. much Ripping sense. The ovens out. Yeah, it made too much sense. Like <laughs> boarded up. You know, in Podunk, wherever. Uh, yeah. Under new management. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of construction going on back there. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate that. Um, on the, We break up this uh, show. Um, we'll probably just do maybe a couple segments on the news uh, probably this week, Eco, because we do have diverter and a number of questions. We'll go through the state of the network and then um, have a fun time. And guests like you, Diverter, we'd love to uh, uh, have involved during the entire episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely – I'm, I'm known to be a bit long-winded, so just wind me up and let me go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. We'll touch on, like, the, the state of the network and, like, uh, news piece and the home miner and then get your input on everything and then, uh, like like Rod said, we've got the questions from the audience too. And then sometimes we go on a tangent, a tangent, <laughs> and uh, which one? Real quick before we begin, uh, our friend Schnitzel uh, got in and explained all the the hash that he was pointing to us. It was actually yep. both his miners that he was pointing to us, and he was like, "Oh, I should have further explained that." Yeah, so, that answered a lot of questions. Was it the hot tub or was it not the hot tub? It was, yeah, the hot tub and the RVA Bitcoin. And again, I butchered the <laughs> the handle. I butcher everybody's name. So why wouldn't I butcher the name of a uh, worker on our Lincoin mining pool account? But it was RVA Bitcoin traveling S9, not traveling's nine. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling's nine. It, it all makes so much sense him. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for fuck's sake. So, and I think we're gonna bring Schnitzel on not next week, but the week after to uh, yeah chat with us. Yep, he's the king of little small scale heating implementations. I would say, heck yeah. Here's an idea, by the way. Do we bring the hot tub to the Telehash? It's gonna be January yes. in Nashville. Yeah, the answer is yes. yes. Okay, good. Out front. Out front. We have live that stream. Live stream. Remote microphone set up. Yep. Tom, you got this. Sponsored. <laughs> sponsored. Wow. Sponsored banana hammocks. We're good to go. This is escalating quickly. <sighs> we can get a manscaped sponsorship if we do it from the hot tub. Oh, they're they're gonna need to bring three guys for me uh, to work on me. But um, just for the beard. Well, everything. Um, <laughs> the. Yeah, no, we could do it out front. And I'm thinking like at midnight or one, we get like big boom lights, you know? So people driving by be like, what the hell's going on over Just there? like four dudes in a hot tub. We just got to make sure it's big enough to fit four dudes. Well, it fits at least three from what I saw on Twitter from Sweet. pictures of the conference. Diverter, did you see that hot tub while you were there? I saw a hot tub. It's probably that one. <laughs> it, was yeah, it was like that in, that inflatable one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there were multiple hot tubs, that yeah, would be I'm not impressive. sure. I can't swear that there weren't, but uh, I did see the, uh, a hot tub there. Yeah, cool. Man, I'm sorry I didn't bump into you there, diverter. But the yeah. gift of 
being in, in Anon is that I don't know who the, who the hell anybody is. Exactly, that's exactly what we were just talking about <laughs> down there too. I'm like, you know, and I had somebody with me, and they were like, "I bet there's all kinds of people here that want to talk to you." I was like, "Literally, nobody knows who I am. Like, that's I, could, awesome. I could walk around here forever, and they would never know." You know, so I'm gonna finish this tangent real quick, and then we'll get started. The there's like four quadrants. It's like rich, wealthy. In you know X and Y, I guess, or XX, uh, and then there's uh, famous and pseudonymous. The goal, mm. the goal, a lot of people want to be, uh, they want to be rich and famous, which is the wrong goal. You want to be wealthy and pseudonymous, in my <laughs> humble opinion. Where you, yeah. diverter, could just be walking around and be a billionaire. And you know, yeah. you got Eco over here with like six social media managers and like nine uh, assistants, <laughs> you know, walking around and tweet live streaming his life um, while, you know, being quote unquote rich. I, I'm joking, Eco. I love you. Uh, <laughs> no, you nailed it, man. <laughs> yeah. That was, Honestly. You hit the target. Um, well, do you guys do you guys ever see the way Sailor has to move? No. What do you mean? It's just, it's like bizarre. Like you. Does he have a bunch of handlers and? Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's got, he's literally got, um, if you ever see somebody following somebody that's wearing a coat jacket where they're holding both of the lapels at the same time, there is like a hundred percent chance that somebody has a gun on them. Yeah. And it's like, th could you think of how not fun that would be to have to yeah. move around the world where. And it's two people. It's not just this dude. I'm sure he's very nice. I'm sure he's very well trained. But it's this dude holding the lapels of his coat looking so serious the whole time. No smiling. You're not allowed to smile if you have this job. Yeah. And then there's a lady with like an iPad or a notepad yeah. or something. And she's the one who has to like treat him like like, like he's like Elizabeth thought. Warren trying to get okay. into Congress. Yeah, like let me yeah. just write this down. Like, yeah, send it to my handlers. It's it's a bizarre way to move. It can't be fun. It can't be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants anyone else holding their own gun? Yeah, right. Yeah, true. <laughs> that's, that's definitely. That's actually a, a valid point. I uh, ran into I ran into one of the Winklevi at the in the uh, whale section. You were the, the fucking. You were right by me, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know what I look like, and you don't say hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I don't know if you know what I, I'm gonna have to send you headshots for next yeah, conference. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, diverter Rob was living his best life. So, if you follow him on Twitter, you could have uh -huh. seen a lot of selfies and a lot. He was on the live desk. They, you know, he just living his best life. Yeah. Yeah, I set up an OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pictures of me in a cow shirt. <laughs> what um, happened when you met the Winklevoss? Nothing. The I mean, vies, I just, the Winklevies. The, yeah, the Winklevies. Um, I I just had an overwhelming urge to just go up to him and tell him Harvard connections sucked. Um, <laughs> just you know what I mean? Just I just wanted to fuck with him about the Facebook thing, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Plus, they're like eight feet tall. Yeah, they're kind of big and like you know. <laughs> Probably pretty pretty tough to deal with. So, inhumanly tall. Yeah, we'll leave that to another day. Mm. I'm gonna reserve my job. I've never met them, so you know. But on this, uh, they've donated. Uh, although they discontinued their donation arm to open source projects, I believe. But they were donating to a bunch of open source projects. I think I know they donated to mempool. Oh, that's good. 
I literally only know them from from um, the Social Network movie and <laughs> um, and that they you know run, run Gemini when you know yeah. Gemini. It's an exchange, so you know what are you going to do? But you know they they seem to have early on they kind of went out of their way to block uh, CoinJoin UTXOs, and oh, yeah. so mm. they kind of got on my bad side early. Which again, they're mm. they're a centralized exchange. So what are you going to do? But they were they were kind of early. I felt like, and you know they did go ham. And uh, what was their marketing slogan? Something like your fully trusted KY regulated exchange or something like that. And yeah. it was like plastered on cars and vans and like billboards amongst in New York. Um, yeah, they were trying to, yeah. to go that route. That, but that's anywho. A that's our choice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the state of the network. First off, uh, anyone pointing us hash rate, thank you. This show does not have any sponsors. It is 100% audience supported via pointing hash rate to our Lincoin mining pool account. So if you are hashing and you want to spare some hash rate, you can pick any Lincoin pool URL and then just put in pod 256 as the worker and append that with dot whatever your alias is. So if you want to put your Twitter handle, or your name, or Greta Thunberg, or Klaus Schwab, or whatever, then we can give a shout out to those entities on the show. Um, it, it would be helpful to put your Twitter name, but spell it out how you would like us to enunciate it as much as possible so that yeah, we do please, not butcher it. Please use the phonetic spelling of your name so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this idiot here, myself, can read it. Uh, speaking of which, let's see if I can get through this list this week <clears throat> without butchering them. We had some hash straight from, uh, business cat in the last seven days Love that guy. from barn mine. Here we go. <laughs> barn <laughs> mine. <laughs> You're not going to screw that one up. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Bar barn mine shit 19 limping along all one word. Nice. Uh, he's, he had, a. Or <clears throat> apparently somebody, uh, what I think happened, I can't say for sure, was that there was an S19 mm -hmm. that uh, had a hash board or two down. And so it got plugged in and then whatever hash rate it could produce was being pointed to our pool. That's the story I heard. Wow. But I can't say, I can't confirm or deny if that was Barn Miner. It sounds like it from we're, the title. <laughs> we're like an orphan home for hash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all hash rate is welcome, even if it's disabled. Cue, cue the Sarah McLachlan music. <laughs> <laughs> Just $3 a day, you can send your damaged hash boards to us. In the arms of... Keep going, Rob. Yeah, don't stop the now. Angel. I was just, I was just getting on. my wallet out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like, and then we take got pictures of sad S nines. Rob puts a <laughs> QR code directly to his own wallet. And then we had some hash rate from our Sarah McLaughlin impersonator, bikes and Bitcoin. Woohoo! Got you. And then we had lonely pumpkins, and then RVA Bitcoin traveling S nine dash NR two had some hash rate showing up on the chart in the last seven days. And then uh, also got some hash rate from Business Cats podcast. So check it out if you haven't already. It's called Rock Paper Bitcoin Podcast. And uh, I think you'll 
enjoy what you hear. Love that. Do we know who Lonely Pumpkins is, by the way? Dude, I have no idea. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Thank you to everybody. Business Cat mentioned he thought that it was uh, somebody from his meetup group. Oh, cool. His Bitcoin meetup. Cool. Yeah. Um, and just so everyone knows, uh, it's pronounced Epoch. Epoch? N- no. No. It will correct. I'm correct. Thank mm-hmm. you, Diverter. It's mm-hmm. Epoch. Um, and we'll link to the votes. We had 169 to 169 million uh, votes mm-hmm. and 82.2% voted for Epoch. Final answer. You got more votes in that poll than the last U.S. election. Mm. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're a global audience. or a global brand, uh, Eco. Somebody checked the 3 a.m. records. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I appreciate you, Converter. I appreciate you. I was going to say this is the most trusted poll in Bitcoin. <laughs> Watch us get banned off of everything now. <laughs> no, we, we drive too much revenue and too much eyeballs for these social medias uh, platforms. It's That's like impossible for them to ban us. <laughs> So looking at bitrar.com, the Bitcoin difficulty estimator, current block height is 792379. The current difficulty is 51.2 trillion. So Oof. we've broken the 50 trillion mark. Has Oof. the floor Oof. been <laughs> has the floor been set? Diverter, has the floor been set? We will never see difficulty below fifty trillion again. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Bold. Awesome. Previous difficulty was forty nine point five trillion. So there was just a positive three point four percent adjustment yesterday, and so currently we are in epoch three ninety three. (laughs) <laughs> and it's, uh, let's see, of the 2016 blocks, we are 92 blocks in. Uh, so we're about 20 blocks behind schedule at the moment, but there's a long way to go. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, I called it at 40 trillion. I said yeah. difficulty was never going below 40 trillion again. So, holy smokes. Yeah. What would have to happen to drop it 20%? Um, about 20% of the hash rate would have to fall <laughs> offline. I hate you right now. <laughs> I need bold predictions. Uh, another gotcha. another uh, Middle East Middle Eastern country ban. Um, what yeah. Kazakhstan ban? Something of that nature. All over again. You think? Yeah. yeah. Is there twenty percent of the hash rate? Is you think in the Middle East? There's a lot in the Middle East right now. Yeah. Yeah. Kazakhstan was really pumping there for a minute. Uh, I don't know if they kind of fell off or not, but. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the only way, in my opinion, that you're going to see those large difficulties like that again. Because as you can see, difficulty has done nothing but continue to climb since the China ban, regardless of yep. price, regardless of price. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, price is, is not falling off a cliff or anything, but it, it, we're by no means in a, in a bull market. And, but we've been in a, a, a difficulty bull market essentially since that China ban. Um, so I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can tell, the only thing that's going to knock this knock difficulty off is some sort of major country coming out with a, an, an announced ban like that. But you've already seen that's a short term pain totally. window. So, 
Yep. Another one, which I hope does never happens here in the States, but it's a, a good head fake to, to get folks to pause or reduce their investment in large-scale infrastructure is a, a kind of like long-winded way of saying uh, just a big tax on uh, energy use in this manner, like 30 to 40%. That would just destroy a lot of companies right now. And so what do they do? Maybe they shut down. Maybe they're off selling to other type of uh, infrastructure players. So that's my yeah. only thing. And I hope to God that never happens. The the I think the, the federalized system of the United States helps a lot in that regard, you know, because something like, you know, Texas, they were just about to try to pass this like 30 percent tax or something. Right. Am I, am I remembering that right? Um, and, you know, so Texas, Texas passes this and, and what happens, you know, freaking whatever, West Virginia passes incentives. And so, you know, mm. people sh can sh shift their stuff around. I do think there would also be, while you were talking, there's something that came to mind um, that I do think is coming down the road. I don't know when, but uh, we see the growth of pools like, like Maripool um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and Foundry, mm -hmm. um, you know, these major, major players. Um, when some sort of regulation uh, gets introduced and not if, but when some sort of regulation gets introduced to essentially classify these mining pools as money transmitters. Oof. Um, because they, I mean, as bad as I hate to say it, they're taking custody of your Bitcoin and then handing it over to you. Like there is a money transmission happening there. Um, yeah. it's just a matter of time before they land on it. And when, when they do, that could have a pretty significant impact depending on, you know, who, who, where hash is going and, and what plays out there. Again, you've got some regulatory arbitrage plays there as well, but temporary dips certainly could happen. Dude, you hit the nail on the head with that because it's like, if you can't, like the big worry that you might get with mega miners is you might get, you know, large publicly traded miners trying to write policy mm -hmm. that kind of entrenches them as... Yep. You know, I'm I'm the guy who owns the state of Texas. Yeah. I'm the guy who owns MISO. I'm the guy, Rod, who owns the Tennessee Valley Authority. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's already got the lock on that entire ISO. <laughs> and then what's the next step? The next step is, okay, well, where's this hash going? It's going to a pool. So now are all these pools money transmitters? If you're, you know, what are you going to have to do? Maybe maybe these guys are going to have to all start and some of them are already doing it. Big dudes are like white labeling their pool services, yeah. basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's a huge one. But does that, does that change at all? If you are doing a PPLNS or FPPS, because in one sense, if it's like a brain setup, you're kind of custodying. It has to be found by somebody and then distributed versus a payout scheme. That's, based on the shares that you offer to the network, and then there's kind of a scheme to deal with the extra fees that you get, does the legality of that from a money transmitter standpoint change based on the type of payout scheme? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm definitely no lawyer. So let's get that out there. Um, but, and- I've been posting about you being barred in California and Texas. <laughs> I should take that down. <laughs> yeah, get Eco, those down, please. Eco's our resident lawyer, by the way. Uh, Okay, that, yeah. That's Econo Alchemist Esquire. Uh, thank you, Rod. thank you. That's right. <laughs> uh, <coughs> so, Apologies, sir. Uh, and, and one more point is, is I don't believe that the pools would actually be fully 
um, classified as true money transmitters. I, I think that the regulation will be um, similar, very similar to the way that they treat money transmitters. I don't think they'll be classified as full money transmitters. However, yeah. um, as far as I can tell, my opinion so, uh, uh, to this point, the only way I see around this is something like the setup that um, Laurentia pool um, kind of has where mm-hmm. you essentially get paid directly from um, the Coinbase transaction. Um, mm. There is there is no middleman custody whatsoever because regardless of whether you're you're getting paid per shares or how, however the payout scheme is going, that Bitcoin once it's found from the Coinbase transaction, it goes into you know the pool's wallet to the pool's address and then is then yeah. f- from that point distributed to you. So at that point of custody, that's where the problem's at. So Laurentia pool. Um, and they, you know, have they have trouble getting off the ground? Don't get me wrong, but the payout mm-hmm. scheme itself, to me, is the way around that. Uh, you know, the one that I see right now. And so, if you can eliminate that custody, then it, you, it seems to me, we would be able to route around that type of regulation. Do Do you know much about like the Laurentia Pool scheme? Because I I remember hearing these guys like over a year ago talking about. The biggest limitation is how many people you can pay out to from a Coinbase transaction. Yeah. Do you, do you know if they solve that problem? Um, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't think that that's their. I think their issue is exactly the opposite of that at the moment. Um, is that basically they try to get a a commitment of a certain amount of hash per like two week blocks. So they want to have at least, and I'm just going to throw out a number here. They want to have at least 750 petahash for for these two weeks. And so mm-hmm. um, if they don't get enough miners to commit that hash to them for two weeks, then that pool doesn't, they don't do anything. And so- They literally don't hash. They don't hash. And so wow. okay. that's the problem as far as I st- still know is that they're, they're having trouble getting those commitments. And they're, my understanding, again, is that they're basing this number, not just pulling it out of thin air, but they're looking at uh, just the statistical probability of finding a block. And they want to be able to find X amount of blocks in this two-week period. Mm-hmm. So they need... X amount of hash in order to statistically, probability-wise, to hit that number of blocks. And so that way everybody gets paid and everybody's happy. And, you know, in theory, it works great. But in practice, um, you know, it's it's hard for people to give up that sure thing. Well, quote unquote, sure thing of like an FPPS yeah. pool, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that's that's the trade-off. But in a, in a, in a much harsher regulatory environment, I don't think they have that bad of a problem. I think in a much harsher regulatory environment where we do see mandatory KYC for all of these pools, if they're going to be classified as, you know, essentially money transmitters, then I think that that's their point where they could see an influx and we could see many more pools adopt this same payout scheme. That's how I hope it goes. Rather than seeing a bunch of pools bend the knee, I hope to see a bunch of pools adopt this sort of payout scheme and we go the other route. Maybe we're getting too deep in the weeds here, but you're so freaking high signal. I'm very like curious to get your thoughts on this. How how do you avoid being seen as? Because I assume there's like a, a a coded way to do this, to avoid essentially um, you're you're almost selling like a derivatives contract, right? Like 
or it, it, you essentially need like a two week forward. They need sort of like a two week forward. I guess the the way to think about it is the pool needs a commitment of two weeks of deliverable hash to function for that two weeks on the possibility, the statistical possibility that they will likely hit a certain number of blocks, which will be profitable. So like the, the, the downside risk is you get your sort of quote unquote contracted amount of hash, but then you don't hit a block. Okay. Right. Well that sucks. Like your, your, your pool luck is really bad. Right. Um, <clears throat> the upside is that you hit, you know, two extra blocks and everybody's just kind of rolling in sats and it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, does that, does that run afoul of like contracting or anything like that? Or, or like, you know, issuing, is it a security? Is it a, is it a forward that, uh, that they're putting together like a deliverable forward of hash? I, as far as I'm aware, no, but that would be a question I would actually be interested to hear the answer to myself. Um, you want to, I, I would say direct those at um, Mind Farm by on Twitter. Um, I'm pretty sure he's still heavily involved in that. Um, oh, cool. Good okay. guy. Yeah, yeah, good guy. He, great guy to buy ASICs off of as well. Um, but yeah, he's he's in that, so I'm sure he could have a lot more detailed answers on it. And I'm I'm hoping I I didn't butcher the whole setup there on his pool, but I think I got it mostly right. That's a good guest, Eco. Just maybe we'll bring him on just to explain. Um, yeah, yeah. Laurentia pool is between uh, Doctor Khan Kalavas and Mind Farm by. I'm not sure who else is involved, um, but you know, I think it it's from what I understood, it was more of just like a like handshake, like. You send them a message and you're like, "Hey, I've got 20 petahash. I'd like to contribute. Uh, sign me up. I'll commit mm-hmm. for two weeks." And then, you know, I don't, I don't think there's like anything in writing or any like binding agreement that that uh, holds you to that. You know, if you pull your hash rate a week in, you know, you're you're just an asshole. Yeah, but you know, you should follow through with the commitment if you say you're going to. And also, I think like. There's a technical reason. I'm not sure exactly why, but for some technical reason, there's like a limited number of payout transactions they can do directly mm-hmm. from the block. It's limited to like 16, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. So like if they have this block cadence that they're trying to target and they say like, okay, we need like one exahash to do this, then they basically need like one exahash divvied up between 16 entities. And mm-hmm. so hmm. you have these like larger, more established entities that are willing to commit for two weeks. And I think that um, people who have, I would imagine, I'm speculating here, but people who have the infrastructure and the setup to contribute a substantial amount of hash rate like that, when they say they're going to point hash rate for two weeks, they're probably going to follow through with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those same people, though, are, in my opinion, I would imagine, are probably the ones that are most in need of a definitive, steady payout, so that they can pay their infrastructure mm. needs. Um, so it's kind of a catch twenty two in that I feel like the target audience may be kind of the wrong target. You know what I mean? You're you're targeting. That's right. Because like you're saying, you're it's going to be have have to be whatever, one exahash broken up 16 different ways. So you're going to have to get big chunks from each person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the average person, I can't I can't take an S19, plug it up and shoot it at this pool um, like I can any other pool. So 
you know, there's there seems to maybe, in my opinion, be a sort of a misalignment of a cent- of incentives there at at our current setup. Now, again, a harsher regulatory environment changes changes a lot of things. So mm-hmm. that's where this difference could be made, in my opinion. But I would say until that point comes, um, they'll probably continue to struggle. That would be my guess. Yeah. That was a good explanation. Eco, uh, should we jump over to mempool last space and d- discuss the hash rate and difficulty? Yeah, before we depart from difficulty, I just I saw this tweet from Dr. Khan Kalavas last night, and I just wanted to share it because I thought it was a interesting way to think about difficulty. So he says, if you're trying to understand how hash rate relates to mining difficulty, multiply the current difficulty by two to the power of 32, and that's how many hashes you need to find one block on average. (laughs) So if you do that at the current um, new difficulty, 51.2 trillion times two to the power of 32, you get 220 zeta hash. And so you would need roughly 220 zeta hash hashes to to find a block on average. Hmm. That's a couple hashes. <laughs> yeah, and we're, and and we're just messing around, ask uh, trying to ask for two x a hash. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe we're we're underbidding ourselves. Yeah, just just take use that tweet and say, "Come on, guys." Yeah, <laughs> are we asking for too much? Like, no, we're definitely not. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a look at mempool.space. The hash rate is currently printing 366 exahash on the 14-day moving average. So this is a new all-time high. Well, slight it's it's down 1 exahash from the all-time high of 367 exahash yesterday on the 14-day moving average. So yeah, it's uh on the year, so on a on a 12-month Time scale that's up from 219 exahash. Steady growth. Yep. Diverter. We mm. like to make bold predictions on this show. Mm-hmm. January 17th, when you're when you're in the hot tub with us <laughs> at midnight. You know, clock strikes midnight. What's the total hash rate? Um I would say if I had to guess. Because we had a big bump there really quickly. I'm going to call it a little conservative, and I'm going to say 362. What? So, sorry, wow. we're at 367, so you're saying we're going to go down five? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm tripping. I, okay. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. I tried to add, but I went the wrong way. <laughs> Welcome to Pod 256. You. Yeah, you can be a recurring guest. Yeah. <laughs> I fit right into it. I'm going to say 422. 422. 422. Final Holy answer. shit. Mm. Man. Any, who, Rob, what's your prediction? It's just a painful prediction to make. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. I think, okay, so January is our time frame? Yeah, half a year. Yeah, so that's six, six months. months out. So if you look okay, back so six I'm, months, hash rate was at like... 248. Yeah. And it's gone up to 367, 366. So I here's what I think is happening in the market, right? I think big boys right now are continuing like their structured rollouts. So I think that's happening. But then I think we're getting a bump from all these like small and middle-sized guys who are standing up like 
one to 20 megawatt deployments on substations. So I actually think we're going to see, because a lot of what happened in the last cycle was a lot of the big guys were contractually obligated to receive and build because they've got, you know, six to 18, 24 month long, you know, build cycles for these facilities. So I think it's going to go higher. I think it's going to be closer to like 440, 445. And it's just going to be max pain for everybody. There's going to be like a moment of max pain where people are like, I can't believe we've been doing this. Price isn't in the crapper like it was before. Why are we still getting squeezed? I think everyone's going to lose their mind, except for the big guys, because they're do- they're getting like, you know, sub four cent contracted blended rates and crap like that. Rod, I want to hear your prediction. Wait, can you give me your prediction first? Yeah, I'm going to take the other side of the coin here. I'm going to go, go. with a uh, cyber pandemic operation blackout um nuclear war wiping out half of humanity yikes in the next six months yeah yeah (laughs) that's your six month prediction is nuclear holocaust (laughs) shit's gonna get real bud thanks biden (laughs) (laughs) this podcast has been taken offline Pod 256 is racist and sexist and transphobic, <laughs> and there is a new new news reports dropping that they're pseudonymous owners. And this show is sponsored by <laughs> Raytheon. Yeah, Raytheon. Bud Light. <laughs> All right, Eco, give us the number then. So nuclear, yeah, go on. Yeah, I'm going to, dude, I'm going to say... of hash rate as we know it is wiped offline by January. Wow. 75. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Give me a seriousness level because we joke like 90 plus percent on this pod and then give some 10% insights. What's your seriousness? On on a scale from one to serious as a heart attack? Yeah. We have flatlined. (laughs) Wow. I like it. I like it. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with, um, we got right now currently is 367, correct? Is that my? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And we got a 422 and a 445 mm-hmm. prediction. Yeah. And, you know, the prices, we're not, we're not, and then we got a 75. Well, yeah, 75. Is that right? Uh, no, mine is 91. 91. Okay. You see, uh, not to be. Getting in the little weeds here, Eco, but your prediction, you had a, uh, we weren't going to go below uh, $40 trillion, correct? Mm-hmm. 91. Yeah, I rescind that, that. You rescind the $40 trillion? See yep. how easy that is? Yeah. yeah, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm Anyone gonna go. who's married has heard this a million times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no I, kidding. I changed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I changed my mind. Yeah. Um, What's the difficulty going to be? Ah, whatever you want it to be. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with 399. Mm. 399. Low It's like the price wow. is right. Yeah, he's lowballing me. Yeah. Why don't you just do 421? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, no. If I was prices writing you, I'd do one. 
right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's the yeah. one. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. then anything below. Well, anything. the problem is Eco put the 91 in there. So the answer yeah. should be, if I was doing 399, should be 92. 92, Because yeah. then I got the whole range yeah. up to 422. Yeah. And then you got Rob that just straight up messed up. He should have done yeah. 423. Terrible beard. Yeah. Terrible beard. <laughs> The strategic <laughs> what's, the, what's the rationale, though? We got to get the rationale, Rod. So, uh, what's the rationale? I think there, to your point, there is a lot of infrastructure being built right now that is going to be coming online from mega stuff to the 1 to 10 and the 1 to 20 stuff. I think there are going to be more people cycling in new gen machines uh, and then trying mm. to sell their old gen machines. So, that's going to have an uptick in Exahash. However, I don't think, you know, the price rips the way we think it does, which will start slowing some people down in terms of plugging in those machines. And maybe they're going to just wait a little bit longer. Um, And January 17th is about six-ish months, a little over that. So, and that's 20-ish per, no, 10% uptick. Actually, shit, 10% is not that. Yeah. It's too late. You're locked in. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> I actually like, I like Diverter and Rob's, but I'll, I'll go with my 399. And there's like a psychological fact. Actually, although it doesn't really matter because even at 399, the, the market does not care. Yeah, so when you say we're screwed on the home mining front, you think we're screwed? Diverter? I just, I, honestly, I'm, uh, I'm not that upset about this at all because um, we're back to mining for the streets. Um you know, when I wrote mining for the streets, mining was at, at, you know, um, normal or average rates. Mining was, um, at best break even most of the time you were losing Mm -hmm. a little money. And I was advocating for home mining at, at a loss, um, not a major loss, but at a loss. And, you know, we hit a period there for a moment where we had the ASIC shortage, we had the price run up, we had several things that culminated, um, in this very, very profitable time period in mining. Um, and we all talked about it. We all talked about how it was temporary, how you know it was due to this ASIC shortage. It was due to this. It was due to that. Um, but nevertheless, you see people run and jump in and, you know, hey, 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 it's, it's, it's super profitable. Um, and now we're kind of back down to the mining for the streets uh, action. So this is, this is, these are my type of people here. Um, the people that are running... Uh, ASICs right now. These these are the people I'm interested in um, because if you're still running an ASIC right now at home yep. at a whatever a nine cent, ten cent, eleven cent uh, kilowatt hour rate, mm-hmm. if you're doing that, then you're my type of person because you understand the value of this thing. You're making an extremely bullish bet on Bitcoin. Um, I argue the most bullish bet you can make in my paper. Yep. Um, I still believe that. And those that paper was written on January twenty seventh, twenty twenty one, and just uh, and I love the fact that you basically time stamped these numbers there, um, and I'm just going to read it. So while BTC price is nine thousand six hundred twenty five dollars, you will have paid an exchange rate of nine thousand three hundred fifteen. So you bought at a three percent discount if you were mining Bitcoin. Yeah. At some other variables with the nine cent kilowatt and a couple of other things. Yeah. Yeah. That was that. So what I, basically what I tried to do with that was just give a, a very generalized, here's what it looks like at $0.07, cents, $0.09, cents, $0.11, cents, $0.13, cents, just to kind of mm-hmm. you know get as many people as possible to kind of see that this thing actually is not you know very dumb to try to do. Like it, it makes sense. 
And I want, you know, that's, this is when dollar cost averaging was really like becoming the whole rave. Like everybody was mm-hmm. really jumping on the dollar cost average bandwagon. So I kind of tried to ride that wave a bit and incorporate that. Hey, look, you know, look, this is essentially you dollar cost average averaged into Bitcoin, but you have 30 bucks left over now, you know? So, um, yeah, it was, it, it's cool to look back on that at, you know, now uh, even the ASIC prices are coming back down to where like it were there for a minute i used to look at that paper and be just absolutely sick at looking at mm-hmm. like you know what i mean what it used to be like <laughs> oh my god cuz when i wrote that paper s9s s9s were $35 a pop like as as many as you could get $35 $35 for the unit so <laughs> that would be what $3.50 a terahash then yeah roughly uh, yeah. roughly yeah, yeah. um you know, if you get you get the S nine S nine and you know and the power supply for thirty five bucks, and you know, and then what what did they run up to seven eight nine hundred thousand dollars? Like I was like, oh my god, like, you know that like it was it was sickening there for a little while. Now we're coming back down into those ranges, so it, it makes a little bit more sense. Fifty fifty two dollars and eighty five cents per terahash for an S nine in That's May gross. of two thousand twenty one. Yeah, that th- that's what you bought one for. That no, I'm just I'm looking at the hash rate index. Oh, okay. From um, Luxor. Tangent. Quick tangent. I need I got one too. By the way. Oh, go you go ahead, please. You're our guest. Oh well, no, I was just gonna say that because it, it was we were talking about it in a minute ago, but um, I I made a point a while back that I'm still waiting to kind of see if it comes to fruition. Um, maybe it's kind of a little bit of a prediction, I guess. But I kind of predicted that even as difficulty rose and as we saw, you know, all, all these these numbers continue to increase, that we would actually see an a, a, an electricity usage decrease um, at some point. That there would at some point mm. there would be a flippening of sorts where your older generation miners finally crapped out, and these people that are running on essentially free electricity in like Venezuela or where Argentina or wherever they're getting it at can no longer run these S9s. And when those guys start upgrading and your efficiencies could increase, um, you're getting more hash power for less power usage. So I actually believe we could see uh, hash rate go up and power usage, you know, the, the nominal power usage number actually come down. I think there could be a point in time hmm. where that kind of flips. And so I just wanted to kind of huh. throw that back out there. This is a prediction show, so I kind of like that. I think it's totally feasible. This is... Yeah, this is great. Can we keep a running list? Is there a running list on the Pod Two Five Six website? That <laughs> One we of our three to ten million viewers um, <laughs> will probably be just you know documenting this because there's like That's separate right. meetups and separate like talk groups, and so I'm pretty sure somebody will do that. Where those fan clubs? There's at fan least clubs, six right. different fan clubs in six different cities that I'm familiar with. In every city in the world, but yeah, I'm pretty um, sure we're not counting Starkey Award fans either. So. That's right. Yeah, that's a whole We're, different yeah. group. It's you about guys to get got big. A, you guys got a double boost of that today. Yep. Hey, yeah. <laughs> um, for the telehash, uh, uh, Nick Foster and the Kaboom Rocks team, I know you're listening. Uh, by the way, I think we have somebody in the audience too, so I don't know who's in the audience right now. Um, I want them, if they would be so kind, to send us, I don't know, 50 S9s. Uh, to the park, just a, a modest fifty S nines. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Send us, so I want to, I want to be like Oprah during the telehash. Anytime a guest comes <laughs> up, 
we hand yeah. them an S9, you know, and they either awkwardly have to hold it or they, you know, take it the as a gift. Time. The whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they have to hold it while it's running and getting hot and talk yeah, over the noise. Exactly. <laughs> Point the fan in their mouth while they have to speak to uh, obfuscate their, their voice. Um, that would, uh, I think that would be, you know, uh, send us some uh, send us some uh, uh, hash and you give us some um, miners. That's our final offer, so um, you have to take it. Oh, and real quick, we're not going to be in the studio doing this, Eco. I think we're going to be in the event space so that, you know, our hashers that have been pointing us hash and the and obviously our loyal fans can come and kind of come in and out of the uh, of the telehash. Oh, cool. Okay. Wow. That works. Yeah. And then we got to also be able to walk to the uh, hot tub easily so it could just be right out the door. True. Yeah, I, I'm actually very bullish on the hot tub because we have these electrical outlets also outside, and it's like we we, we can wire it up. Um, and then the last point I just want to make to or diverter's point: the human ingenuity around home mining to not only like, hey, I'm going to mine at a quote unquote loss. Well, are you really mining at a loss when you're repurposing that heat to heat your home or doing other things in your home, heat your pool, whatever else? I think you're max winning. Uh, when you're doing and when you're repurposing the heat while earning sats. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I heated my uh, apartment for the entire winter um, last winter. And, you know, I know a lot of people are doing a lot of things that that's been the most interesting. And I think rewarding part of watching this kind of resurgence over the last three years is just seeing the, the ingenuity and, the problem solving that you know bitcoiners when they come across a problem it's 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 not a problem at all it's just an opportunity for a different sort of advancement and that's amazing to see and you know where there's a will there's a way you know i, I firmly believe that and we're seeing that daily when people find out as you said how to repurpose your heat well then you've got to factor that in if you, there's there's a lot of different factors and it's such a personalized thing that's why I used to get so aggravated when people say, hey, so is it profitable to mine Bitcoin? Well, that's it's, it's impossible to just answer that blanket question. Like there are so many yeah. factors that I would need to know um, in order to be able to tell you that. And that's why I, I was so you know upset with the, the blanket discouragement mm -hmm. at that time is because you can't possibly mm -hmm. tell all these people that they're not profitable. There's no way. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing that grow, seeing stuff uh, like you know the 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 black box was of you know a a an actual um commercial product marketed specifically towards home miners and you know besides things like that crap uh, uh, what was it um coin coin mine or whatever it was mm -hmm. the, the the total rip off thing where you can just set it on your coffee table and literally oh. never get your money back yeah um <laughs> no matter how long you mind you'll never get your money back and it didn't even mine Bitcoin. It mined like something else and converted it to Bitcoin. It was just a total sham. But <laughs> like nice hash or something. Yeah, it was crap. Um, my point being, like that that black box. It was the first time that I had seen anyway a a specific product made marketed um, for home miners, and it wasn't like you know, here's a, 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 an actual miner. It was just a piece of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so to see a, 
an actual commercial product be built, brought to market and sell out what like basically instantly and like it didn't anticipate the amount of uh, interest that there would be yep. um, to see that happen. And we're not we're not even talking about miners. We're not even talking about getting you hashing. We're just talking about a single piece of infrastructure. Now, granted, it, it solves several problems, mm-hmm. but seeing something like that take off just further cemented like this thing is real. People really want to do this. People are seeing the same things that I saw, that Eco saw, that you guys are saw. Like people are seeing it. And so when you start getting things like that and you start getting people the builders when you get the builders behind you everything's fair game love it here's here's a question though on that so i'm bullish on home miners i'm not as bullish on companies trying to build products like actual hashing products Mm -hmm. for home miners for the same reason that i'm bullish on oil and gas companies doing vent and flare or contracting it out in like a JV, but I'm not bullish on just like random Joe Schmo showing up to an oil site and being like, hey, can I buy all your vent and flare gas? Yeah. Like there's something interesting there about home miners because there's so much variability in what kind of heat do they need? What kind of climate do they live in? What's their electrical rate like? Mm-hmm. What's their budget like? They like they're gonna build stuff and they're gonna build the coolest stuff you've ever seen. But it's in my mind, it's a lot harder to build a product like this, you know, like this uh what is it, like this twelve hundred dollar heat bit thing that takes mm-hmm. like that's so S9 funny. boards and looks like uh looks like a space heater. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that's not to me, that's not really a compelling sell. What's compelling is some dude being like, Yeah, let me tinker and see how I can integrate this thing into my life. Yeah, I I see those sort of products more as novelties than anything. You know, now having said that, I would rather see somebody buy that thing um or the uh what's the other what's the other thing eco uh, uh, is it Apollo? Oh, love of Apollo. Oh, the future bit. Future bit. Yep. Um I would I would rather see somebody buy that buy that buy that heat bit one of those things mm-hmm. and point it at a solo pool and play the lottery. I'd rather see him do that than play the actual lottery. Um, yeah. at, at least you are contributing. Yeah. You nailed it. I need a nailed it button there, diverter. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Imagine nailed going it. into like, you know, less educated, lower income folks and say, like, hey, you know, the five bucks or 10 bucks or so on. If you could just yeah, there's 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 a play there, an education play as well as a, a lottery play, uh, and especially then then you're Trojan horsing them into Bitcoin and also <laughs> savings technology. Then all of a sudden, game is on. Rod's building a master plan right now to go and um, essentially go into every rent controlled public housing <laughs> facility oh, yeah. in the U.S. and just destroy the landlords while giving everyone heat. Huh. I just want to I just want to make clear. His strategy, one hundred percent. Do uh, do Asics actually run on meth? I didn't. I wasn't aware. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they'll get off meth when they find Bitcoin. They'll be like, "Holy shit! I can't do this shit. I got to get fit. My life's great now. I found purpose." Uh, yes. All right, gentlemen, yeah. we're at like an hour you in, and we're like life. three, uh, <laughs> like at the state of the network. Um, the this happens every time, by the way. Uh, uh, of course. But um, where we at on the uh, price per terahash? 
Well, we already kind of touched on ASIC prices, at least for the S9s. They're, you know, down from what I say, like 60 bucks per terahash. They're down to $4.75 a terahash. The most efficient ASICs on the market, 25 joules per terahash and better efficiency, $23.27 per terahash. That's down on the year from about 65 bucks per terahash. So that's ASIC prices. I'm still a buyer if I could plug them in. I'm I'm just I'm glad to see these sort of analytics come a long way too because you know that was something that yeah. was that was sorely missing back when I first wrote that paper like you didn't have any of this sort of <laughs> yeah. an- analytical outlook on when it was a good time to buy an ASIC when it was not a good time to buy an ASIC when you know what was a good price what's a bad price like none of that was out there you were just kind of like it was a crapshoot I don't know if this is a good all telegram groups you're just sending yeah. messages the only tool you had at your disposal was uh, whattomine.com. That's it. Yeah. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, you were kind of just hoping for the best and hoping that you timed the market right, which, you know, there was a period where you probably did that. And, you know, I bought um, I bought a miner at basically like at the peak. Um, yeah, like we all did. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, but I bought it with I bought it with Bitcoin. Uh, mm-hmm. If I were to buy that same miner with Bitcoin right now, I would pay about the same price. Right. Um, you know, so I, I'm not I wasn't really that worried about it. I mean, yeah, it kind of stings when I'm looking at it right now and being like, well, that was actually like twelve thousand dollars you spent. Right. And like, you know, but <laughs> in, in reality, it's the same amount of Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. um, or a very similar amount. So like if you're going to get into this mining thing and you're going to be, you know, again, mining for the streets, you're really into this thing, not because you see as some possible way that you can maybe get rich, but you see a way to acquire Bitcoin to do so privately. And you're doing so because you believe that your bet will pay off eventually. You've got to have a long-term outlook. Um, and, you know, so if you're if you have a long term outlook, you truly believe in this network, in the asset, um, then it's very difficult to run across a, quote unquote, bad time to buy. Um, mm. There are there are better times than others, but I, I, I struggle to say there's a necessarily a bad time. There are bad mm-hmm. buys. Um, yeah. But, you know, as far as the timing aspect, I, I firmly believe as long as you get in with a long-term outlook and you understand what you're getting into, um, you know, your better payoff. And and start small, I would recommend people. Yeah, I mean, I'm yes. always... Don't, don't go from zero to one pet of hashed, you know, yes. start small. and That's kind of one thing that I, I can say, like, and I've told a couple of people this, if you listen to, like, all the podcasts that I did all along, like, I, I was very conscious to try to stay there because I know how it is. I know when you get that first minor, it's like, oh, well, I want another one. Now I want another mm-hmm. one. Now I want another one. I was very conscious to try to put off this message that it's totally fine to just get, you know, a, a single ASIC and plug it in in place of your dryer in your house. Like that's completely and totally acceptable. You don't have to get a single another one if you don't want to. You know what I mean? You don't have to. There is no keeping up right here. You, mm-hmm. um, that's that's completely acceptable. And I so I know how it is that excitement and you know and next thing you know you're in over your head and then you've got a bad experience. So and that yeah. leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And then what do you do? You go on Twitter and tell everybody how they're going to get wrecked. And that's how we get that same cycle that we got before. 
Um, and where we, we had people from the 2012, 2013, and then you get into 15, 16, where ASIC um, efficiencies were leaping and leaping and leaping. And, you know, the difficulty is just outrageously jumping and there's no way to keep up with it. By the time you pre you ordered an ASIC, by the time it was delivered, it was no longer profitable. And mm. so those are the guys that are on Twitter telling everybody, hey, this thing, you're going to get wrecked. Don't do this thing. So I'm trying to break that cycle. I want people to come in with a clear understanding of what they're getting into, um, a good outlook, to have a good experience, and be able to guide the next um, the, the next generation of home miners rather than discourage them. That's why I love the buy an S9 and fuck around and find out. Just you know, buy one, clean it, use it, mm-hmm. point to a couple different pools, feel and uh, feel the heat. Hear how loud it is, and you're like, "Wait a minute!" Sponsor two fifty six. Yes, exactly. That's right. It's only. Um, so I couldn't agree more, uh, diverter, and keep it up. All right, shall we go to hash value? Yeah, looking at insights.brains.com, the current hash value is roughly two hundred sixty five sats per terahash per day, and the hash price is about seven point one cents per terahash per day. So if you're running like an S9, you want your electricity rates to be below three cents per kilowatt hour. If you've got like a What's Miner M31S, you want your electricity rates below like seven cents per kilowatt hour. And if you've got like the most efficient, like an S19 XP, you want your electricity prices below about 14 cents per kilowatt hour uh, to be in that still profitable area. Which the average rate in the United States is what thirteen cents? About thirteen, yeah. So yeah. you know, again, even even at this high of a difficulty rate, even at this price of Bitcoin, it's mm-hmm. still not ridiculous to talk about home mining. And that was right. mm-hmm. that's kind of the whole point is you you know there's a conversation that should have been taking place here for a long time, but at least it is it's happening now. Yeah, because it you know. Dude, like when I first got like after I read your paper, Diverter, because you you originally published your paper like right after the having, so it's been like yeah. three years now, yeah. like to the month. And when I read that, I was actually going to be losing a little bit of money every day mm-hmm. mining Bitcoin, but you know I was looking for an answer to accumulate more Bitcoin without getting my identification involved. Mm-hmm. And so that's Ooh. what, you know, that's what inspired me from your paper was like that light bulb turned on. I'm like, holy shit, I can just, I can buy an ASIC, pay the electric company my fiat and then get Bitcoin in return for that. And so, yeah, it's, dude, it, there's a million different circumstances out there and mining can make sense for a lot of people at all sorts of different hash rates, difficulty levels, Bitcoin prices, like, yeah. but, you know, to your overall point, like, these naysayers just going out with these blanket statements and telling everybody like, no, you're going to get wrecked. Don't do it. Like just stack sats with XYZ exchange. Like it it was just such a bullshit narrative. And I'm just so thankful Mm -hmm. that you published that paper and broke the, broke up those narratives. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like anything else. It, it, it starts from a good place. You know, it starts from people trying to protect um, I believe, you know, I mean, you can be naive about it and and say that it's just people trying to pump their bags because 
because you know when does the price of Bitcoin go up? It, it the price of Bitcoin goes up when people buy on exchanges, right? Because that's where you're pricing Bitcoin off of, right? That's where everybody looks to the Bitcoin price in dollars. Well, if you're not buying on an exchange, if you're not taking a, a a sell offer off of that exchange, you're not taking something off the table. You're not actually increasing the price. I've made this argument a million times. Like yeah. the, the people increasing the price are the people doing the trading on exchanges. Now, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with the street price. That has nothing to do with what I'll sell you my Bitcoin for. But now what we're, we're talking about, the exchange rate value, those are the people moving the numbers. Right. So- so if you're mining at home and you're simply paying your utility uh, bill and receiving Bitcoin into your wallet, you're not moving the numbers on the Bitcoin value. So you can you could, you know, be uh, a bit cynical and believe that the, the quote unquote naysayers are just trying to get people to buy Bitcoin quickly to try to pump their bags. But I'll be gracious and say that I think it comes from um, you know a good place initially that you're trying to protect people from coming in. You don't want to see people get hurt just the same way that. You know, initially, you're trying to protect people from buying, you know, XYZ shitcoin and and getting hurt. Um, and the narrative kind of gets away from you after a time. And you don't really realize that times have changed. And yep. it's not 2015 anymore. And the efficiencies are way different. And the numbers are totally different than what you're used to. So I think it just kind of got away from us a little bit narrative-wise. Um, we've, of course, corrected for the most part now. So I'm I'm really excited for where it continues to grow to. Yep. Well said. Yeah, very well said. Um shall we go to the news and hit the one news item uh real quick, Eco? Yeah, I just I threw this up there. It's from Dr. Khan Kalavas. We've mentioned him a lot of times on today's show. Uh, but he posted this thread because uh, he's been working with Futurebit to like integrate uh, CG Miner, his like Bitcoin mining backend, into the Futurebit, which means that you get your Futurebit and out of the box you plug it in and you can start solo mining and true solo mining, not not pointing it to CK pool, solo CK pool, which is still technically a centralized pool. You don't have to point it to any pool. You can just mine directly from the Bitcoin node built into the future bit unit. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this was an interesting development. And we've mentioned, you know, potential regulatory uh, constraints coming down the pike and the importance of decentralizing hash rate. And so I just wanted to highlight what Dr. Khan and Futurebit are working on uh, because I think it is very important for that uh, decentralized aspect of the Bitcoin mining network. And so I'll just read like his his first tweet here, uh, but he's got a thread and we'll link it in the show notes. But um, he's saying, you know, to understand why I'm posting about the solo CK pool code, the idea is that I'm making it possible for anyone to mine solo at home. Whilst I don't think people should mine solo, as a default, it could be a massive safeguard against a series of coordinated attacks on the major pools. And so that's kind of the theme that we've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast and especially on today's show. And so, you know, Dr. Khan is out there building it. And I think it's it's going to be more important as 
shit continues to hit the fan out there. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a very interesting development, and I think it makes the most sense of all the things that I've heard about you know future bit that that makes the most sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to John, uh, founder of Future Bit. Just mm-hmm. gangster in terms of the way he's thinking about decentralizing mining and yeah. making it as easy as possible for any person at home mm-hmm. to mine Bitcoin. And I love the point and click just to get them to point and say, not only teach their hopefully their kids about uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining, but then also say, hey, here's our actual lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, <laughs> nobody's going to want to raise their hand and say, holy shit, we, I hit the, the block and got the 6.25 uh, Coinbase reward plus transaction fees. Um, but, you know, we'll know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be extremely high variant, you know, so the game theory here is like mining pools are captured by some regulatory entity and, you know, it. you're now going to be like KYC'd in order to point hash rate at a pool. Well, now you can just mine solo, but the trade-off there is that you're now dealing with like an extremely high variance. So instead of getting like a little bit of sats every day, mm-hmm. you might be running your hardware for a really long time, never getting paid, trying to keep up with those electric bills. And then one day you hit a block and you you do get that payout. So there's trade-offs, but mm-hmm. in a coordinated attack environment, I think having a tool like this easily deployable is going to be extremely important. Yeah. And we, uh, we met him um, I know I was my first time meeting him uh, last year at Bitcoin 22. We were on the nice. panel. Um, I, I, I seemed like a great guy. I loved where his head was at with the whole thing, you know, seeing a lot of the things the same way. And I love anybody that has an idea like this and has a vision and actually strives and brings a product to market. Um, I, I salute that. Awesome. Heck yeah. All right, so we covered the news. Now let's just jump into let's actually jump into home miner of the week before we go into questions for our special guests. Uh, this week, I just wanted to give a shout out to to Schnitzel because I mean we've mentioned him a couple of times on previous episodes, but. We got some clarity this week, and so I just wanted to give him a shout-out because he set up that hot tub at the conference and was heating it with ASICs and then pointing some of that hash rate toward the Pod256 mining pool account with Lincoin. Um, So I just wanted to give him a shout-out for that. So give him a follow on Twitter if you're not already. What a great name, too, Schnitzel. (laughs) Uh, thank you, Sch- Schnitzel. And again, we'll look forward to chatting with you in a couple weeks uh, as well and getting in the hot tub with you January 17th <laughs> at midnight. So, Diverter, we got a bunch of questions from people on Twitter and from people on Noster. So we're just kind of going to throw these out there rapid fire and and give us your give us your takes on these. Fire away. All right, so this one comes from uh, BDG Birthday Groot on Twitter, and I got I, I think this one's like more of like an open ended question. Um, I don't expect you to have like specific answers on any of this, but he says when, uh, and then lists a few things: one, open source firmware, open source hardware, flexible 
board setups in old enclosures, off-the-shelf steering based on thermostat and or voltage height and or flexible electricity tariff in local grid. Hmm. Uh, that's, so I think I think he's trying to get your, you know, what what do you when do you think we're going to see open source firmware or open source hardware, or like being able to swap boards into old enclosures? Uh, that's something that I, I would be I would be hard pressed to put a time frame on. It's something that I'm very very interested in. And I would really love to see um, just in general more competition in the ASIC space. Yep. Um, you know, there's we've had essentially a, a, a bitmain monopoly for so many years. Um, Micro BT now has, I, I actually believe, has uh, kind of taken the the lead as far as um, machine development. I think they make a better machine yeah. than than bitmain does now. Um, but I think that that is a result of the monopoly. Um, bitmain had such a stranglehold on the market for so long that there was no competition there was nothing to force them to make a better machine you had to buy bitmain shit and so you know more competition breeds innovation i think we would all probably agree with that statement you know the more people you got out here putting something out the better you got to be with yours yeah um as far as the open sourcing of it that would be um a complete and total game changer um in the same way that like Android being open source makes, uh, uh, you know, it totally changes the game for your phones and the things that you can do um, with your operating systems, the, the the variability that you have, the, the adjustments, the minor and minute adjustments that you can make, and with the amount of people that are able to contribute um, drastically increasing, we could see major leaps in, in innovation and development. So it, it makes the most sense. Um, as for, from a like from a user standpoint, it makes the most sense that we want to see open source stuff. From a business person and and you know standpoint on the other side, when you're a micro BT or you're a Bitmain, I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to take an upstart or true like renegade upstart type company to do that. And um, I would hope to see that soon, but. I'll be honest with you, I, I would be surprised. Could we talk for a second about why it's so hard to do this too? Yeah. Because everybody's like, oh, just open source it, you know, mm-hmm. let everybody, you know, mix and match their what's miners mm-hmm. with their their amp miners and create little Frankensteins. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like that's actually that's actually a thousand times harder than you think it is. Mm-hmm. Because not only do we live in a place where we're starting to get these we're starting to decrease in the crazy efficiency gains that you might mm-hmm. see in a machine. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, we're making the jump from the mid-20s to the low-20s now in terms of machines. We're no longer like, and I'm, I'm saying joules per terahash. Mm-hmm. We're no longer going from like S9, you know, 96 joules per terahash down to like, you know, 30, right. which is a huge jump. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about like marginal percentage gains. So... If you're trying to do this whole or open source, just mix and match stuff, you're operating in a place where, yeah, there's there's marginal gains to to be had in the ASIC side of things, and guys are squeezing out more and more from the chips. But on the programmatic side of things, the chips are only getting more complicated mm-hmm. because they're trying to make them maximally efficient. Then you have different manufacturers, and your primary manufacturer, Antminer, 
doesn't want you, they don't even want you hot swapping boards. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they changed the length of the hash board by three quarters of an inch that makes stuff non-interoperable. So they're doing little crap to force you to buy new machines. Mm -hmm. If you're going to What's Miner, yeah, it's great, but they have a different manufacturing process where you don't even know how many chips are on any particular board. Their programming is a lot cleaner internally, but you can't buy aftermarket stuff for them necessarily because take, for example, like a PSU. There's a company called Alpha Miner that makes aftermarket PSUs for S19s that are super robust and let you do all this cool stuff. Reason you can't do that for a Watts Miner is because a PSU for an Ant Miner is basically a dumb hunk of metal. It's just a thing that gets told what to do. Well, it's literally not how the programming works in a what's miner. The what's miner PSU actually is having a conversation with the chips. So it's a totally different game mm. to try to talk about, oh, we'll just open source it. Dude, there's not even a coherent programming language for how you design an optimal ASIC. Right. Like you want stuff on the layer two, layer three, but this market is so early, everyone's like, ah, the engineers will figure it out. Like, yeah, maybe the engineers figure it out, but it's going to take a couple of years for the business case to get there. Yeah, and I, if I if I had to venture a guess right now, again another prediction. Um, if I were to venture a guess slash prediction, um, if there is, and I'm not even a, a fan of this guy or really this company, but my guess would be if someone were to possibly be in a position to pull this off, it would probably be like uh, Dorsey's company. What is it now? Block is that the name of it oh, now? Yeah, yep. yeah. They would probably be best suited, I think, to pull something like this off. Um, you know, I think they're trying to work now on like open source hardware wallet or uh, uh, what was it? Um, Bitkey. Is that yeah, the name of the yeah, product. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. And so, like, they they've got the capital potentially. Um, they've got. He seems to at least respect the open source ethos and try to push open source stuff as many problems as I have with him he he is you know seems to be a respecter of open source anyway so it's possible it's definitely possible that they could you know as a kind of a renegade renegade like upstart sort of thing change it um but yeah I, I it would be it would be quite shocking and then there was blockstream back in the not back in the day maybe a year or two ago they acquired spoon Dooleys, Dooleys, yeah, spawn, spawn, yeah. spawn, Dooleys, yeah. spawn, Me feel English. That's impossible. Um, <laughs> the uh, you know, so I'd be interested to see if like that actually anything comes out of Blockstream. Yeah, they're they're working on too many things or so many things that you know you never know. Blockstream, my just slight tangent here, but I think Blockstream spends a lot of time working on solutions to problems that don't necessarily exist. Um, and they kind of get lost in their own weeds in that way. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, like liquid. Yeah, don't you talk bad about liquid? All right. <laughs> this is, uh... Hey, you, usage on liquid has tripled while while you're being <laughs> smart. You know, we're up to three transactions a block now. <laughs> yeah, three hundred percent growth. Three hundred percent growth. It's, why is nobody talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> on the on the like open sourcing side of it and like the more like I guess the hobbyist tinkering side of it, there's a couple of accounts on Twitter to watch. There's that um <laughs> Z Bomb Staz with a Z. Yeah, Zach. 
yeah, Zach bomb stuff. So he's been working with like the Loki board and his uh, S9, or sorry, he's using like the power supply unit from an S9 and the hash boards from an S19. And he's running S19 hash boards from a 120 volt yeah. power source. I saw that, yeah. So that that's a cool development. And then um, there's the Nord board. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one. And then there's, um, well, there's there's Dirty Shotya up in Wyoming who's basically deleting the power supply from Antminer ASICs and just running direct DC voltage to power the hash boards. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so what he's doing is is interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that develops too. But um, man, there's people out there trying and yeah. it's it's fun to watch. Yeah. All right. So next question, this comes from Adam is a pleb on Twitter and he, and I thought this, this was a really good one. So he wants advice for pleb miners on a technology stack that improves privacy. Um, can I say just use samurai? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) So you want to do any disclosures? So yes. So full disclosure, uh, (laughs) I, I am officially an employee of samurai wallet. Um, I'm very proud of that by the way. Um, so I am an officially a paid shill now, um, just to get that out there. However, um, before I was a paid shill, I was saying the same things that I would say right now. And, and that is, I believe, Samurai Wallet, um, and especially now with Ronin Dojo and Ronin Dojo's um, hardware options that they have available, um, offer a very robust, um, out-of-the-box uh, available privacy upgrade. Um Ronin Dojo has like their their Tonto node, or if you even if you don't want to go up that high, you have the the Bokutu node, I believe it's called. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Um, it's all Japanese, so um, you know. But um, and these are you know node in the box packages where that comes with Samurai's uh, Dojo node software uh, packaged in. So those are plug and play nodes. Um, you take that plug and play node, and you can by simply as scanning a QR code with your phone, pair um, Samurai Wallet to uh, your own uh, node, and you are, you know, you're running your own node, you're backing your own wallet, you are your own bank um, at that point. Furthermore, the Samurai Wallet software itself um, incorporates several services that are, you know, uh, they're leading the pack in Bitcoin privacy by leaps and bounds. Um, from their spending tools, which are you know uh, on by default with their Stonewall um, decoy spins, which um, introduces entropy to your spins and increases the the deniability. Basically, it it, it introduces doubt into your transaction. Mm-hmm. So whenever you send a, no, a quote unquote normal transaction, there is essentially um, very little guessing that that needs to be done and to be able to track this Bitcoin. You can make very educated guesses about what's going on. With Samurai Wallet, when you make a just a regular default spend, as long as you have enough UTXOs in your wallet, the wallet will by itself construct a transaction that has multiple um, outputs that um, are has decoy spins. It, it adds all types of deniability. You can also join in with somebody else and create an on-demand two-person coin join spin. Very simply, they have they've just released the join bot where you don't even have to have a partner anymore. They'll be your partner to make that spin for you for a, for a nominal fee. 
Um, and that's before you even get into their Whirlpool coin join service. So with Ronin Dojo now um, selling this hardware, Ronin Dojo also now just opened up their um, mobile um, hardware. So they'll now sell you a pre-flashed um, Google Pixel device with either Graphene or Calyx OS pre-installed on the device. And they'll ship that straight to your door. So you can literally go on Ronin Dojo's site right now. If you are an Android, uh, you know, if you don't have an Android device, you don't have anything. You can go on RoninDojo.io and you can order your own node in the box package. You can order your own uh, custom operating system, Graphene or Calyx, uh, Pixel mobile phone. And within a matter of weeks, be completely self-sovereign and private with your Bitcoin usage. Dope. So... Yeah, and um, even if you don't use uh, an Android device, you can still use the benefits offered by Whirlpool Coin Joining with the uh, man. What was that company that just put it out uh, on iOS? Bitcoin Keeper, uh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Bitcoin Keeper. Yeah, or um, Bitkeeper. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can still Bitkeeper use like Whirlpool there, or if you're a desktop user, you can use Whirlpool from Sparrow Wallet. Yeah. Um, that's, and that is, and I can only imagine from their standpoint, how rewarding that's got to be. Whirlpool was built for people that don't know Whirlpool coin joint service was built from the beginning specifically in such a way so that other wallets would be able to very easily seamlessly integrate Whirlpool into their wallet and tie mm -hmm. directly into the same liquidity pool. Yep. Um, it was built that way for a reason. So that way this thing could just, you know, continue to grow up on top of itself. And each new wallet that um, ties into the Whirlpool liquidity pool now brings their own liquidity pool of users in. And you just get this big jumbled mesh of this. These were Sparrow wallet users and these were Samurai users and these were BitKeeper or whatever it's called users. Um, but now they all meet in the same place and, and they just make this big web of doubt. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's been so rewarding to see happen. I can only imagine for them. And now the unspent capacity is over 8,000 Bitcoin on Whirlpool. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was just going to add there that jumbled mess and web of doubt are good things yeah. for those of you still <laughs> learning about, uh, how this all works. Yeah, it, break, it breaks yeah. the on-chain heuristics. And yeah. and I think that's important for miners to consider is like a lot of miners will just set like a payout address. They'll set it and forget it mm -hmm. and they won't change it. And so they're receiving all their mining rewards to the same address. Yeah. And, you know, my take on it, and I think Diverter would agree with me here, is that you take your payout, you change that payout address every time so you only use it once just like any other bitcoin address and then you mix your mining rewards in whirlpool and that way you have forward-looking privacy from the mining pool just mm -hmm. in case they were going to try and track you because if you're going to think about this you want to think about everybody as an adversary right so mm -hmm. even your mining pool could be trying to track you or maybe someone like a government agency is going after the mining pool to try and get information that they can track users with. And maybe they try and subpoena IP addresses and payout rewards. So to protect yourself against that, change your mining reward address every time it's used and then mix your rewards in Whirlpool. And then no one can track 
how you spend that whirlpool or how you spend those whirlpooled outputs down the road. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is basically long story short, um, when you get paid from your employer right now, for example, your employer sends you a paycheck. All right. And you put that paycheck in your bank. Well, your employer doesn't then get to follow along and see where you spend your paycheck. All right. Your mining pool would, um, you, you know, if you or whoever you're working for with Bitcoin, um, you, you know, it introduces a traceability factor that, you know, doesn't exist in the legacy finance system and the legacy finance system that that is broken by these centralized companies. We don't have these centralized companies to break those those links. So that's, you know, the person that you're going to pay or the person that you're going to buy whatever a Pepsi off of for cash in your hand. Um, they don't then get to track and see what you do with that dollar. But you do with Bitcoin unless you um, create some sort of uh, of a breakage of that transaction history link. And so that's very simply all Whirlpool does is it just it creates a sort of a wall to where um, you are from that point forward, you are um, beyond your past transaction history. Nobody can then look beyond that wall and say for sure that they know what you did with that, with those funds. So that's all you're doing is you're not, you're not doing anything nefarious. You're not trying to quote unquote hide anything. You're just introducing a very basic level of privacy that you already have in the legacy financial system. You just have to get it a little different way. Yep. That's the message, by the way, I feel like diverter that needs to be echoed like over and over and over again. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. It's so many times when you begin talking about privacy, you're going to always hit the same exact arguments, which are either I'm not doing anything wrong. So what does it matter? Or, well, they've already got so much on me. It's no point in trying now anyway. Yeah, those are the two big ones. But the, I don't I'm not doing anything wrong is the one that really bothers me more than more than any of the rest, because um, anybody that is has had their eyes open at all for just the last five years can see very, very plainly how five years ago, a belief or a, um, an opinion that you could share, that opinion was totally fine five years ago, and now it will cost you your entire livelihood. Um, and so things can change overnight. It really can. You know, go watch the old uh, reruns of the show, The Office. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And you will freaking i mean i thought that show was hilarious yeah. right back in the day and still to this day uh-huh. and then you watch it and you're like "Ooh, yeah is he, are they allowed to right that right yeah <laughs> this is on like nbc at seven yeah. o'clock or whatever prime time, time yeah you know prime time and it's just like anything else though just like with you know like atf and gun rules to get off on another small tangent you know they, they do it regularly they turn people into criminals literally overnight with the stroke of a pen um, yeah. So to, yeah, like the brace rule. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah. so, what's the brace rule? They just passed a rule recently that, like, if you have a brace on your firearm, you it has to go on this like registry database that they have access to. Explain explain the difference between a brace and a stock, and what that has to do, like rifles, pistols, kind of all that stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm no. I, I, I tell Lawyer. you what, I would say good luck with that because the ATF can't do it. <laughs> um, the ATF yeah. can't do it, literally. Yeah. Like that's the whole p- problem here is that nobody knows, and there's so many loopholes and changes, and it changes overnight and on a whim, and that kind of gets right back to the point: is 
you can't possibly say that just because you are quote unquote not doing anything wrong today that um, you know even even literally tomorrow you could be a criminal um, you know on the whims of these lawmakers and so as long as we are living in that type of society and under that type of system you have to protect yourself um, and privacy is just one of the tools but a very important one that you can protect yourself and your loved ones from potential changes down the road. It's a fundamental human right, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's it's about it's about staying staying off of those lists. You know, they're you know with that brace rule, they're trying to get it. So, like, I mean, basically, the way I understood it was like, if you have a, a brace, you can fire your pistol multiple times without using both hands because the brace kind of holds it to your forearm. Whereas, like, if you've got a stock that doesn't like necessarily anchor it to your body, and so you would be a better shooter using both hands. And so now they're trying to make it so that like, you know, because the the federal government in the United States is not allowed to maintain a list of gun owners. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. basically they've like kind of sidestepped that exactly. with this brace rule by by saying anyone who has a, a, pistol, a pistol with a brace has to go on this list. Mm -hmm. And so you just want to be careful of these lists and keeping your information off of them. Yep. And that ties in very well with transaction privacy on Bitcoin or keeping yourself anonymous in this cloud of of mixed UTXOs from Whirlpool. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I can tee up the next question, uh, Eco. Oh, sorry. There was just one more thing I wanted yeah. to mention real quick. Um, not only is it forward-looking privacy from Whirlpool, but also like backward-looking privacy so that, and especially if you're a minor, and especially if we enter into like a strict regulatory environment where it becomes like where mining kind of has to go underground, if you're spending those UTXOs with somebody, you may not necessarily want them looking backwards and seeing that that UTXO was earned by you mining Bitcoin. Mm. And so if you whirlpool, then if anyone looks on chain backwards at that, they're just going to run into a coin join transaction and then they're not going to know which of your inputs belong to you going into it. Absolutely. So go ahead, Rod. For sure. Um, Bro Ad Mode said, uh, are y'all surprised what's minor still hasn't been cracked by brains mining? And what custom firmware has you excited for the future? Huh, uh, that, it is interesting. It's definitely interesting. Um, I think a lot of people, it, what's interesting about it to me is how many people are, are interested in um, the Brains software specifically for uh, watch miners. And it's still, we're, we still don't have it. So the fact that there's so much interest and so many people seemingly clamoring for it and it's still not here, it's just very interesting to me. You would think that by now with this amount of interest and, and you know, zeal towards this thing that somebody that, you know, it would have been delivered by now. Um, so there, there is a product though. Oh, there, there is? Yeah, there's a control board, uh, a new control board that's coming out. I think it's called the EPIC or something like this. Mm. I miss or the it. Epic. I'm not sure who manufactures it, <laughs> but they have a, as I mispronounce whatever it is, um, they have a an adapter that they're adding for what's miners now. Hmm. Oh, nice. That I missed that. 
well, yeah, it makes sense though. Like I said, there's there's a ton of interest in this. It's you know people have been asking for it for a long time, so it only makes sense that that somebody brings it to market. But brains um, is definitely um, I like I like what brains has done with um, mining in general. Um, not only with the brains firmware, just real quick, just to touch on like slush pool. You know, these are these guys have have. They've consistently been on the right side of Bitcoin history. Um, they've consistently done the things that we want to see from our Bitcoin companies. So I would salute them for many years of just generally doing the right thing. So I'd like to see people like that win in general, um, first of all. So with the, the amount of customization, it, especially when we get into markets like these where now every every single every single watt matters, right? Everything matters. You want to squeeze everything that you can out of everything. So when you can um, make these these adjustments that you know you previously are just plugging this machine in and hoping everything runs as well as possible, basically, um, when you can get in and and dial things down and you can control fans and you can control all these little things that make a huge difference. Um, not only does it help you from like a profitability or even a noise standpoint from all these different areas, but it also um, tends to get you much more interested in Bitcoin mining in general, how this thing works, how all this stuff works. And that's that's what gets me excited about people playing with firmware, really, is because it never fails to generate more curiosity. And the more curiosity you get around Bitcoiners, the more you're going to get good products come out of it. Um, so I don't really necessarily have a specific firmware that I'm like uh, all tore up about. I do like brains. Um, I, I do run brains. So um, I, I'm a big fan of those guys. I think part of the challenge too is, you know, and this is just based on what I understood um, hearing one of the one of the brains guys talk at a conference is that like if you have depending on which control board you have or which control board version you have and which power supply you have or which version of the power supply you have or hash boards or versions of hash boards, you, you start to get this tree of like all these different possible combinations of hardware you can have in your ASIC. Even though they're all like an S19, you can have like, say, 16 different variable versions of an S19. Hmm. And so they've got to like change that their firmware in order to like to match all those hardware components and so i think part of their challenge is like finding the resources and the time to like go through and dial everything in for all the different specific versions of hardware that are out there and then you add to the to the mix what's minor hardware and it's like the same thing you've got you've got your model and then you've got this uh, m30 with this control board or M30 with that control board or this control control board A with power supply one or control board A with power supply two and control board B with power supply one and control board B with power supply two. And so you just get like all these different different variables that make it challenging to write all these different versions of the software to cover all the bases for everybody. So I think that's just part of the the hang up for them. That makes sense. And then the biggest thing to remember is what's the downside if you screw up firmware? 
No warranty. Because if you screw up firmware, yeah. you you have no warranty and you fry the crap out of people's machines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I do like I do I do like Venus as well. That's a, I yeah. like Venus firmware. Um, Eco, should we go to the next question? Yeah, diverter. There's a few sub questions in this one. This comes from Nakamoto X on Noster, and they write. Hey there, it's great to hear that Diverter is joining Noster. So, <laughs> so now you're committed and you've got to join Noster. Um, and they, they go on to say, I'm familiar with his work and he's definitely an expert in the field of mining and privacy. Here are a few questions that come to mind. So there's one, two, three, four questions. And then he concludes it with, I look forward to hearing what Diverter has to say on pod 256 tomorrow. All right, we'll go, All right. We'll go, we'll go quick. Let's get it. All right, so rapid fire. First question, what inspired you to start writing about mining and privacy? Yes. Great question. Yeah, uh, so honestly, and this is, is going to sound kind of crazy, but um, honestly, um, I got into kind of orbit around in the Samurai Wallet community. Um that is what really kind of opened my eyes to uh, Bitcoin privacy m- much more than what I was. Um, I kind of understood a little bit about Bitcoin privacy, but really looking back on it, I had no idea. And that kind of opened my eyes to a lot more of the privacy stuff that I wasn't paying attention to. Um, so really and truthfully, like, it, it, and this is one of the things that I tell people is if you're interested in like learning about privacy, um, my my one suggestion to you, and it's very, very simple, is to download and install Telegram, join the Samurai Wallet groups and the orbiting groups around Samurai Wallet. You don't have to say a word. Just lurk. Um, you spend six months lurking in those Telegram groups, um, and I promise you, you'll come away with such a more a, a deeper understanding of Bitcoin privacy and um you'll probably, by the time you leave, you'll probably be one of the people in the groups helping others, um, which is what happened with me. I, I kind of started helping helping others around, and that's when you really start understanding things is when you try to help and explain it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you start realizing all the little things that you don't quite understand, and so it makes, mm-hmm. it makes you be really, really good at it. Um, so join a good community. I'm saying Samurai Wallet because maybe, maybe I'm a little biased, but join a <laughs> join a good community of privacy-oriented people and don't say a word. Just lurk and watch and listen to the discussions. Um, so that's what happened with me. And then I, when I started looking at all this and looking at the, the KYC of exchanges continually getting more and more you know, restricted, that's what got me to looking at mining. I it, I looked at mining solely as a means of acquiring Bitcoin privately. That was the whole purpose I looked at it for. Um, profit was a complete and total byproduct. And and honestly, like I said, when I wrote Mining for the Streets, I was losing money daily um, as I was mining. Now, I was keep in mind, I was losing like literal cents. Like it was not like losing a lot of money, but I was, I was not profitable um, when I wrote that paper. And so I think I try to get that out there as to try to get the point across it. It really was just about acquiring Bitcoin privately. Um, I wasn't going to put anything out about this stuff, but um, BTCX Zelko is one of the founders of Ronin Dojo. Um, 
was he just kept on nagging and nagging and nagging about, you know, I, I want to know about mining. I want to learn about mining. I want to learn about mining. Why don't you write something so we can read it? Just write something so we can read That's it. Cool. And that literally just like kind of, I started out, I was going to write one page. I was going to write just a really quick one page little guide. And by the time I was done, it was like 20 pages. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what just happened? Um, <laughs> and I just put it out on Keybase. That was back when we were all on Keybase and stuff, you know, so I just, I dropped it on Keybase and kind of the rest is history after that. Dude, awesome. Mad respect. And I, just straight up, the fact that there was no, like, I don't want to say gun to your head or like some employer that was like, hey, do this. You, out of your own, you know, volition, just created this content and put it out there. And I'm not, not to give Rob a plug, but he's working on something right now, too, that I think is going to be awesome. Um, and the more people that are creating content, sharing their learnings with the broader community so that they are then hopefully inspired to create and build. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful thing. That's what it's all about. And like I said, the the fact that, you know, that I wrote this thing and then it landed in Eco's lap and he, you know, read and then went on to write his guide, which has inspired and, and taught countless other people who have then went on totally. to, to write their own guides. And then they went on mm -hmm. to write their own guides. And it's just a, it's a snowball effect. And yeah. it's to the, to the point where, like, you know, this is kind of a point I've made before a couple of times, but it's to the point where it doesn't matter who wrote the first guide. It's, it's irrelevant now. Like, you know, there's probably people listening to this or reading stuff from, from Eco that have no idea who I am. They've never read anything that I've written. And I think that's amazing um, because, you know, they don't even realize that they're getting the, the, the byproduct of all these other guides that have, you know, come down the pipe. So it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, I, de I definitely love to see it. I, one other quick thing on this is I am planning, just as a little teaser, I'm planning to do um, an update on Mining for the Streets Ooh, for th nice. after the next halving. So basically a halving to having what would have happened had you, nice. had you read Mining for the Streets and you said, you know what? This dude's not completely dumb. I'm going to buy a miner. <laughs> um, like, and I'm, I'm going to say, so if you would have bought that miner and plugged it in four years later, next having, what do you look like? And so I, epoch to epoch, epoch to epoch, epoch to epoch. <laughs> hell yeah. You epic heard it to here epic. First. Like, like that doesn't even make sense, Rob. <laughs> epic to epic, like epoch to epoch. You know, I'm sick of this nonsense, this non No, you know I'm right now. <laughs> in, in that context, epoch to <laughs> epoch. Listen, I, wanna, I just want to say what I appreciate hey guys, epic about Deverter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what I appreciate about Deverter is that when you are early in a space like this, people make the mistake of thinking that it's their job to try to, like, you know, spin up a business and capitalize it and do something. Yeah. But what I think everyone forgets is the real game is that it doesn't, it literally doesn't matter how great your innovation or solution is if people don't have it in their head how to think about these things. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to build the brain space for them to understand what the heck they're looking at before you can do anything. And that's what I, that's what I think is cool about this yeah. kind of content coming out is it's like before we do anything, I just need you to not be stupid. Yeah. Like I need you to say coherent things about the space with schemas that make sense 
so that we're actually having a real human conversation and then you can figure out what you do next. But I just need you to not be dumb in this particular part of the world, right? That's a really good point, actually. I hadn't really thought about that, but that is, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Next question. Yeah. And by the way, Eco, it seems like we've covered some of these, uh, but we should go through all the questions. But throughout the dialogue, it seems like we've covered, you know, from the regulatory side, the self-hosting side, and then the decentralization side. But Okay. Uh, the next question is, uh, wow. Okay. So the second question is, can you talk about Four some B. of, <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about, uh, can you talk about some of the most important self-hosting tools that users should be aware of? Um, well, I mean, I, I put out a couple of things about, um, you know, host, and that's been a little while back now, but, um, that was just because I got into that because it was very, very simple, very easy to spin up. Um, and once you got, you know, host running on whatever, whether it's your home computer or whether you rent a VPS server and you spin up, you know, host, it's, it's literal one click installation of very important, you know, apps like, you know, whatever, Nextcloud, Bitwarden, um, you know, all these things where you can store information that you don't have to hand over and entrust to like Google or I, you know, Apple or Microsoft, whoever. Um, and you can start hosting your own stuff and it was very easy to do. So I, I really, I still like, you know, host, I still run, you know, host. Um, uh, they've actually had some really good updates that have come out s since I wrote that. Um, so I'm still a big fan of that. Um, I haven't really honestly looked too much other places, but you know, if you really get down into it, um, most of these services are much easier to self-host than what you think it is. Like that's what I found most people's problem usually is, is believing that this thing is infinitely harder than what it actually is. Um, and it stops people before they even try it. And so I would just, you know, rather than plug necessarily a specific hosting service, I do still like, you know, host. So that's one you may, may check out. It's why you in O H O S T. Um, I think it's dot org actually. Um, but you'll find it. Um, you know, host. And so that's a good one that I would, but what, whatever you choose to do, I would just, I would advise people to just try it. I mean, it, I'm telling you it's, there's a very good chance that it's much easier than what you think. And once you get started, you, you won't turn back. Awesome. Nice. How do you see Bitcoin mining evolving over the next few years, especially as it relates to decentralization? Yeah, we've, as you said, we've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but I, I, I definitely think that we are very, very, very early regulatory wise. Um, I don't think that they even realize the regulatory kind of uh, uh, power they can exercise over mining um, because if they did they would probably have already done it um, but I think that that day is definitely coming there's there's just no way around it um, and I've made this argument to a bunch of people I know that I get a little bit of flack for this because it kind of goes against the whole hyper bitcoinization thing but nobody nobody is going to plant their flag especially like governmental figures no governmental figure in my opinion, um, will really truly plant their flag on the United States dollar losing its world reserve currency status. I, I just don't see that happening. That's too much of a power loss for the United States as a country. 
um, as like the world leader to have the world reserve currency is is there's too much at stake for it. So um, I think if it ever happens, I think we're a long way off from you know government just kind of throwing their shoulders up and saying, "Huh, well, what do you know? I guess we were wrong about this whole dollar thing. Let's try this Bitcoin stuff." I, I don't see it at all. So I think there's a very, very, very tough then they fight you phase that we have not mm -hmm. even begun to scratch mm -hmm. the surface of. Mm -hmm. So I, I encourage people in all facets to really come to terms with that, like really, truly come to terms with what that means. What that means is at some point they are going to make you a criminal. I, I don't see any way around it. Um, just like if you were a, a pistol owner and you had a brace on your pistol, you're now a criminal. Well, you yep. you you um, have your own Bitcoin and your own self custody. I think there's a very good chance that at some point you become a criminal because I don't think they'll outright ban Bitcoin. I think they will ban the self custody of Bitcoin. I think that you will be allowed to quote unquote own Bitcoin, but you will only be allowed to own it on certain regular uh, certain approved exchanges. Like you can own Bitcoin on Coinbase or on Gemini or whatever. Um, you know, that way they still have their regulatory control over it. But if you self-custody it, I, I don't see that continuing to be allowed. So, yeah, let me take the other side of that because I think you alluded to the way that you – and I'll speak obviously for the U.S. That's where we're all jurisdiction Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, residing. U.S. Center. You know, federalism is a beautiful thing, mm -hmm. right? And the ineptness of the government in this way can be a beautiful thing as well. The ineptness of all these people to collude and then also uh, capture the entire industry to then say you got to all self uh, self custody is banned and they could maybe say hey each exchange needs to identify known addresses and KYC the known addresses. Well, human ingenuity is a be beautiful thing. I would hope and believe that a flourishing P two P marketplace will thrive because Bitcoin is, from the get-go, is serving 8 billion-plus people, or can serve 8 billion-plus people. I uh, I agree. I want to agree. The yeah. So my, I guess my, it's not even pushback, my kind of point about it, because we're-, we're Cynical view, or, or, or more cynical, more realist view, I would we're, say. We're, we're kind of talking about the same thing, though, because, you know, them banning self-custody and- and there being a flourishing P2P market, those are two not, those are not, you know, exclusion things like that. Those, those are two sides of the same coin. I believe that will happen. I believe they'll ban self-custody. Um, I also believe there'll be a flourishing P2P market. Um, but what the kind of the point that I'm getting at, I, I guess when I say, you know, is I, they're going to make you a criminal is the vast majority of people have absolutely no comprehension or understanding of what it feels like to have the United States government threaten to take your freedom away. Yeah. They have no understanding of the weight of that. And it's it's one thing to sit on Twitter all day long and talk about, you know, come and take it or they'll never get my 12 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's a totally different thing to look at your three kids sitting next to you and your wife and know that and you know that your name is on a list that says I bought Bitcoin on X date. You know they have your name on that list. Are you going to really refuse? Right. So my argument is that most people will not. Um, I, I just don't think they will. So the, the counter to that is to get as many people onboarded 
on the other route as possible. I'm not saying totally. I'm not saying we give up by any means, but I am saying that we need to educate as many people as possible about in my opinion, I in my opinion it's an inevitability, but at least let's call it a possibility that um one day down the road we're going to hit a very very different um much more adversarial environment and I would rather you be prepared for an adversarial environment that never comes than to be totally unprepared for it. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think that both things are can be true. I definitely think we'll have thriving parallel economies and P2P markets that could very well end up overtaking a, a, a collapse of our financial system. I'm not at all ruling that out. I just think that there's a definite fight coming that we are woefully unprepared for. So I would hope increased decentralization, increased sovereignty and privacy education yep. um, is the answer. That's what I would hope. I agree. Awesome. Did did I already ask the question about the regulatory scrutiny around cryptocurrency? I, I, mean, I think, I think yeah, well. I think I that's think, what we yeah, kind of just hit on there. We kind of covered that. Yeah. 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 All right. So then the last question comes from Geodesic on Noster, and they write, Diverter is a legend. How do we get him and the samurai chads on Noster? Need more based coiners on Noster. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I think, and this has been a, I guess maybe a complaint against the samurai guys, but I would argue that they've been right more than they've been wrong. Um, but <laughs> right, I need a butt button by the way here. It's like big butt. Right. So so this is one of the complaints, which is a valid complaint. But again, I would just argue that I think they've been right more than wrong. Um, the samurai guys tend to be slow adopters of the next big thing, um, and um, Noster to me right now is kind of still in that next big thing stage to me. Um, and I think to a lot of us probably is it's kind of in that next big thing stage where we're not quite seeing um, the major like boom breakthrough thing um, yet. I think Nostra has a lot of uh, has a lot of potential for uh, many different things. From what I understand from protocol level, it's very interesting. Don't get me wrong. Um, the other thing that you have to really keep in mind when you're talking about, especially about the samurai guys, is like the entire focus is privacy. So you, this is like just for a bit of a tangent about lightning. This has been one of the big complaints. Yeah, go ahead and hit it. <laughs> this is one of the complaints uh, about the samurai guys. Oh, they're always shitting on lightning. They just, they just think that lightning is going to, going to bankrupt their business model. They're shitting on it. They're, you know, whatever. That's not the case though. The problem is samurai is a privacy first um, endeavor. So if lightning were being used right now on darknet markets, I would I would be willing to bet a large sum of Bitcoin that you would we would be integrating lightning into Samurai Wallet. It's not. Um, it's a long way from being used on darknet markets. It's a long way from you know being a privacy boom. Now it has potential, sure, but it's a long way off from it. And so like Noster, my understanding is 
you're you can actually see who's DMing who on Noster. <laughs> right. Right. Now, yeah. So again Well no no you could see yeah who's, who's DMing, DMing who not, not the, the content. But these are all fixable things. Sure. But yes. But again, yeah. the, you know the, this is the argument why are we not there yet? It's the privacy is not uh, we're not seeing the big privacy gain. Um that's I'm speaking for me, not for everybody else. So I'm speaking for me. By the way, a tangent within a tangent. <laughs> it's actually a good flex. You should just DM Jack, DM like all like the really influential people, be like, oh yeah, yeah they're in my DMs. <laughs> 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 yeah. So yeah, so speaking speaking for myself, but yeah, I, I look for I think we a lot of us look for privacy first. However, having said that, um I I you know I have been thinking about getting on Nostros. There are a few of us on there. Are, you know, a few of the guys that I talk to anyway are on there. Um, I think it's more more so than anything, just to be totally honest, in my case, is more along the lines of what Eco said earlier, in that, honestly, I've taken a major step back from Twitter over the last probably year. Um, just kind of start, just, you know, feeling that general rundown kind of, I don't want to necessarily say disillusioned, but right on the borderline of being disillusioned a little bit. Um and I hit that point sometimes, and then I come back out of it because I have conversations like these. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where I barely manage my Twitter right now. <laughs> and so yeah. to add another one is like, oh, God. Yeah. I- I'm going to boost Rob's ego. Like, Rob, it, Rob, when did you get into uh, Bitcoin? Uh, 2017. Oh, okay. So you've been, okay. But I feel like I've only... But I only joined Twitter in like, 2019, 2020. Yeah, yeah 2020. Yeah. There's, there's a group of people. Yeah, go ahead and di- divert them. I was just going to say, that's exactly, yeah, like, it's basically same thing I did. Like, <laughs> like 17, but then I didn't get on Twitter. I got on Twitter literally because in my mind, I was like, I'm not doing enough for Bitcoin. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, but, but, but that's... All of a sudden, you get this bug, right? From you know, mining at home to how do I contribute more yeah. to Bitcoin because I know it'll get, come ten x back to me. Mm-hmm. And also, selfishly, I want to learn, and this is the fastest way to learn is like putting it out there. And then mm-hmm. some of the best minds in the space mm-hmm. will be dissecting it mm-hmm. and sharing their knowledge. It's it's such a beautiful thing. And what I'm worried about is what you just said, diverter is like, and again, I. I feel it this way. I bet Eco feels it this way. You find, feel the uh, weight of all of it, and you're just like, ah, is this the best use of my time? I got beautiful kids. Mm-hmm. I got, the weather's beautiful here. You know, I, and I do spend more time outside and do all these other things. But then where's the next group of people that are coming into Bitcoin that are going to create the next great uh, content? And the one, maybe on the Lightning side, like mm-hmm. uh, create like Barack, actually, you know, with his ARC proposal, which I need to dig into. You know, challenging Lightning and um, uh, and so on. Mm-hmm. I want to. I hope and I do believe that there's going to be a next class of people and an even better class. Uh, than us mm-hmm. of Bitcoiners that are going to continue to produce and build. It, it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, it's one of those things where um, if if we're not there, and, and you know, not to speak sound conceited or whatever, but like if we're collectively not um, there on Twitter or on Reddit or wherever, then who are they going to learn off of? It's going to be the people we don't want them to learn off of, right? Well, no, it's just going to be affiliate links to FTX yes, exactly. and then FTX. <laughs> exactly. Right. And then, dude, I, another tangent. <laughs> I was So here at the park, people come in and, you know, like talk about Bitcoin. And this one nice lady was talking about, uh, oh, I lost my Bitcoin in FTX. I'm like, oh, that sucks, blah, blah, blah. 
And then she's like, yeah, then I also invested in Core Scientific too. And I'm like, geez, Louise, like what is going on? But in the mainstream world, these are yeah. were the safe, uh, construed as the safe bets, if you will. Yeah. And like what we're saying is just like buy and custody mm -hmm. yourself. Bitcoin is the best and safe. Oh, no, the, too much personal responsibility. Yeah. Let me – and that's Leave it that, up that's the argument that I've made for so long um, is that personal personal responsibility just doesn't scale, um, and the the radical personal responsibility required for Bitcoin, especially, um, just doesn't scale. And so that's been my argument with this whole mass adoption thing, which we're get, we'd, have, we'd get off on a real tangent then. We're too late to do that. <laughs> but but point being, yes, I agree, and and I know that there's. And that's kind of one of the things that continues to draw me back um, to Twitter and why I haven't just deleted my account and walked away is because I know that there's something important here. Um, I've contributed a decent chunk of my life and a lot of my hours to this thing. So it's not something that it's like, I just don't really give a shit. I obviously care about this whole thing that we're doing. And I want it to be in good hands when, you know, the next people come up and start building the next tools like you're talking about. Um, and as, and to, you know, Rob's point earlier, when he's talked about the, the things that people are going to build are really uh, in a lot of ways going to be dependent on what we, what are we talking about today? If we're not talking about it, then nobody's going to be concerned about building or much less people will be concerned about building the solutions for it. So, I definitely get the arguments. Um, it's just one of the, I'm in I'm in a slump right now. So give me a, give me a little time to break my slump. Well, let, let's we're gonna wrap now, and I'm gonna bring you out of this slump okay. right freaking now. Okay. You ready? Okay. <laughs> You're gonna be participating in the telehash with us on January 17th. You get the first pick of the time slot you would like to join. We're gonna dedicate it one hour, and. Uh, we're gonna have some goodies for you. Okay. Uh, it's a 24-hour live stream. We've just confirmed between three and 10 million viewers will be simultaneously uh, <laughs> yeah. listening in. Um, we'll have mega uh, partnerships to announce. Um, all the major brands, all the major companies, global com gl only global companies, not none of these like um, yeah. you know U.S. centric or like Chinese centric companies. All only global brands. Yeah. Like and, Kaboom Racks, uh, naturally. Yeah, like Kaboom Racks, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, Nick, you're you're welcome for that shill. That's one Bitcoin. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, so that's going to boost you up because you haven't been to the park yet. And I haven't. Um, I haven't. I'm slacking. There. You'll see some. You'll see some in person experiences, especially getting outside of the keyboard commandoing on Twitter. Uh, oh, it's massive. Reinvigorates me yeah, at least. It's massive. Um, yeah. So you get the first pick of the twenty-four hours uh, time slots. Those are going to come out. Nice. Um, you know, I feel boosted. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm good. honored. I'm honored. Truly. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And if you want to join us in the hot tub, you know, we'll, we'll squeeze you into. I'll bring my Starkey. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, uh, diverter as well as Eco and Rob. Should we have some closing thoughts? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess I'll just. My closing thoughts are diverter. Thank you for spending this time with us. I know that you know your work schedule makes it difficult for you to make appearances, but I really appreciate you taking this time to spend with us and enlighten our audience on all of the self-hosting tools, the privacy precautions, 
kind of where your mindset was at when you wrote Mining for the Streets. And, you know, you're just a great, energetic and witty guest. And I just, you know, it's been too long since we've talked and I'm sad that I missed you in Miami. So I'm glad that we were able to sit down today and chat and uh, I've had a really good time. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Rob. Don't stop the signal diverter. (laughs) That's right. That's my thought. That's right. There's this thing, there's like the meme where once you go through a couple cycles, you just look like the homeless guy at all the meetups and you kind of fade <laughs> yeah. into the background, right? Like you look like you look like Wences from Zappo where yeah. you go from being like a clean cut, like very corporate bro to looking like you live, you know, under a bridge in the Bay Area somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's not it's not our it's not your time yet you know it's not any of our times to be kind of fading into the background i think the game is education and you're you're one of the people in the space who is just so high signal who thinks about this stuff in like the non-sponsored non-bs like kind of first principles you got to plug a machine into electricity somewhere let's talk about it um we don't need more think boys in mining yeah. And it's like mining think boys are the worst, <laughs> the worst. Cause I can at least deal with like the macro think boys where it's like, everybody's kind of a think boy in macro, but at least like, you know, somebody's allocating capital Right. in mining. You, you it's th- very easy to yeah. audit. Yeah. It's like easy to audit. <laughs> you think, uh, from a, from a think boy himself, you know, like the, buy my the newsletter, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm trading sticks. Yeah, it's like way easier to call bullshit in mining yeah. because it's way easier to prove if you can do it or not. Right, totally. And like, we just need more people like you who just keep the tempo and keep the pace going because it's such high signal information. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I'll just say, man, thank you all for having me on. It's, it's, it's an honor, honestly. And, you know, I've been a huge eco fan. I know he claims to be a fan of mine, which is even more of an honor, but I, I'm seeing his growth and rise in the Bitcoin community and the threads that he's put out, I know have helped literally countless people do numerous things from, you know, self-custody to learning about privacy to mining, like the list goes on. And, um, I actually made a meme one time. It was, (laughs) it's, it's, uh, when we're like Kamala Harris is standing behind a pole and she's like looking out at somebody that's talking to the press and I said that 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 person out there talking to the press is is eco doing all the things, and I'm back here behind the pole looking at me. Like, oh. So you know, uh, you gotta get that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's 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 great to talk to him specifically um, anytime we can. But um, this has been a really good conversation. Uh, appreciate you guys you guys having me on. Um, I know that this stuff is in good hands now. That's what that's what. If anybody asks me what I um, am happiest about, if you know, from all the things that have come from after I wrote this paper, by far and away, the thing that I'm happiest about is knowing that like I am not at all needed to like continue carrying this torch. Like this thing is well on can its you, way. Can you stop saying that? <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, saying. No. I'm saying the exact opposite, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, by the way, we, here's, we, we need you. <laughs> and here's the exact opposite. You're going to, uh, our only ask, well, we have actually 15 asks, which we'll send, <laughs> our lawyers will send to your lawyers uh, and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll paper it. Uh, Mining for the Streets, volume two. Mm-hmm. We'll do draft, one, uh, the first draft at the telehash okay. and we'll discuss it. 
Okay, so that'll give you. Then I think like the having is what May. Yeah, are we May-ish, targeting May or March? May-ish, yeah. yeah, May-ish. May-ish. Okay, yeah. About three hundred and thirty um, days. No right big now. deal. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that would be that would be a fun like. Yeah, definitely. Topic I, to, I'm, to go I'm interested to see how it turns out, honestly, because I think I know. Um, like if I, uh, if I just took, you know, uh, like an, an S17 Pro 50, which is what I wrote about in there. And, <laughs> I know, you know, and I ran it for the whole four years. Like I, I, what would it, because, you know, we had a good period there where it was very profitable. Um, right. So I, I think I know what it's going to end up like, but I'm going to be curious to find out. Um, but yeah, I'm just saying like, awesome. you know, not, not to like, you know, no false modesty and no, like I'm going away or anything, but it really does mean a lot to me. The fact that so many people now are so involved in this thing that, um, it's got a life of its own and you know, it, this, the resurgence of home and, you know, decentralized Bitcoin mining is so important in my estimation for the future that we can't talk about it enough. Um, and, yep. and so we've gone from a place where we weren't talking about it at all to where now, if you want to get information about this stuff, it is readily available. Um, and there are people willing to talk to you about it and, you know, you can find your way. So very happy about that. Um, and just thanks for having me. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Thank can you. I give one more closing thought? Of course. A big old white pill. White pill. What's a yeah, white we pill? Need one. Breaking news. Oh, breaking news. A judge just blocked the ATF rule, the ATF pistol brace rule. Ah, beauty. Oh, oh beauty. Good. Beautiful. Just posted that link. Nice. At beautiful. Oh yeah. That's a great that's, that's a that's a great ending yeah. place. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go get an AR nine with a brace now. Yeah, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll get two just in case. <laughs> Since I got two hands. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This was awesome.